Hey, welcome back to another episode of VFX Artist React. Okay, <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? We have a very special podcast today because we want to teach you how to build your. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Very own open source equivalent of a one wheel, which we like to call a VESC. V-E-S-C. Yes. Our personal preference is to call it VESC. <laughs> that definitely didn't come from anywhere online or anyone else. Started here. Now, people listening to this be like, well, I don't need to build a one wheel or have any desire to build a one wheel should i just get out this podcast to which i reply no wait wait listen not only are we going to talk about how to build a vest we're also going to share the stories of how we built our own vests because ren and i have done it we have our wheels right here and they're super cool yeah and they're super awesome and building them was quite a journey so we built these like two and a half months ago ish around that time it was like mid-july or so i just broken my hand and we built these things. It was around the same time we did the previous podcast about one wheels, which was all about my broken hand and, and various other one wheel related things. Um, <laughs> there has since been uh, wakes from that that podcast. And I know uh, I know one wheel related stuff is not generally super I guess, I don't know what, interesting, applicable to most of our viewers. So this is going to be a little bit more of a tailored podcast, kind of like that. A little inside um, baseball, but it's very important to us. And I feel like uh, people like hearing you talk about what you're passionate about, friend. Yeah. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast, Jan, is because the three of us, at least within our own core group of friends, like we're the three that ride the most. Mm -hmm. Like we're the ones who are always down for rides and we usually do it like once a week, maybe more, usually at like nine p.m. at night and go till like one in the morning depends on how 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 meet up uh, at a mountain somewhere how yeah. far i've been traveling that week but yeah yeah, um, yeah. no and we we often uh, uh use the term three boards tears um what uh, we, we never use that term we have used it every <laughs> single time <laughs> he uses the informal phrase of we which means me <laughs> Because yeah. we, uh, it all started off years ago with uh, you, me, Clint, and Cliff, and we call ourselves the Four Boardsmen. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've expanded to well over a dozen of us, like probably closer to twenty. But there's yeah, usually sure. only like eight of us that really like respond to the text threads anymore. <laughs> the the core writing group, and then honestly, most uh, most rides we do are are at night, uh, just because if if you don't know, LA is pretty. Uh, 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 strict about their their single track uh, electric devices on single track uh, um, uh, uh, parts of the city. So we tend to do it all at night. And uh, yeah, I've, usually at 9.30 p.m. on a Tuesday, you can only get us three <laughs> on board, uh, maybe one or two <laughs> other people. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so we one wheel a lot. I would say there's nothing else in the world I am obsessed with more than the one wheel and one wheeling. Mm-hmm. It, like, seriously, I, I thought I would have gotten tired of this by now, but the opposite has happened. I just continue to get more and more into it to the point that I went to Float Life Fest for a second year in a row, which is basically a giant event festival for one wheels. Like five or six hundred one wheelers showed up to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Freaking Bentonville, Arkansas, just to hang out, one wheel around, do some races and whatnot. And it was the best time ever. And people are probably wondering, like, well, what's so great about one wheels? And there's there's a lot of reasons, but kind of the main reason is it's a really great mode of transportation, especially in a city mm-hmm. that can handle things like mountains and like mountain bike single track. Mm-hmm. It's got power. It's got a lot of range. And the thing is, like, when you get to a place, you can pick it up and carry it with you inside, which is big it's uh, really huge. special yeah you don't have to deal with what a bicycle would be or de- de- uh, worry about theft or anything i i use the metro a lot in la um being able to just pick up your means of transport go into the metro yeah uh get halfway mm-hmm. across the city and then use your uh, electric skateboard to do the rest of it it's incredible there's no there's no device outside of an electric unicycle that'll get you uh, through all that uh, terrain as quickly. But even then I'd argue that a one wheel is more nimble for city riding than an EUC. Sure. Um, you also look way cooler. <laughs> way cooler. Dude. Definitely do not disagree with that. <laughs> Something about that side profile, that snowboarder profile. Just. <laughs> I mean, every, I, I keep thinking that I, that I agree with you on that front, Nico, that like it, a one wheel is more versatile than an EUC, electric unicycle. We call them EUCs. Uh, but just when I really start to believe that, I see someone do the craziest stuff on an EUC. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, well, so when I say more versatile, I mean, like when you're waiting at the corner for the light to change, you can be on the one wheel and standing on it. You can do a little dually loop. And, you know, like on the EUC, you have to like get off it or have incredibly good balance. Uh, also, if you're going to go if you're going to go onto the like the metro, uh, uh, I'm not going to take an EUC down a yeah. flight of stairs they're like you know 60 pounds or something i whereas a one wheel even though the gts and the vests are not light by any stretch of the imagination you can still pick them up yeah it's it's not going to require you to take an but the elevator ECs have like a little handle that fold up and then you can just walk it like a like a luggage thing <laughs> <laughs> sure so sure. so one wheels are great is what we're trying to get to yes sure. yes yeah you know, say comparing a, a one wheel to an electric skateboard, which have like the smaller wheels, four of them. And, you know, I rode a boosted board for two years before I got a one wheel. I loved them. And I cannot go back because the versatility of the diameter of the tire, mm-hmm. it allows it to go over a huge amount of types of terrain, a huge variety of terrain, mm-hmm. rocks, bumps, going up curbs, going off curbs, going off big curbs. Like <laughs> you can't really do any of that on an electric skateboard. And so... I think we're all on the same page of that. Like, this is the most versatile personal electric vehicle you can possibly have. Yep. So we've been waiting for Future Motion to come out with an updated version of a one wheel for a long time. And they finally came out with a step up uh, this past winter or so, which was the GT. Now, you know, what I was hoping for in a one wheel, the GT didn't quite go all the way to the point of what I was looking for. But like, I'm like, I'm like the kind of guy who's looking for like the high end electric mountain bike. And most people aren't looking for that, right? Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, I want a tire that I want, I want a one wheel that can take me up a staircase. And most people are like, look, we'll just settle for like a steep hill. <laughs> and that's plenty. <laughs> and like that accounts for like 99% of people. Sure. And I feel like Future Motion made a great one wheel in the GT that actually is very capable, but it's not like the extremely high end extreme sports version of the thing that I was looking for. 
And likewise, there's people that like doing tricks. There's people that like doing all terrain riding. Like, there's a whole bunch of different people getting into the sport. Now, imagine only having like two bikes in existence and one company that makes them because Future Motion has the patent mm-hmm. on one wheels or at least the, the, the design of them. When you say one wheels, I need to be specific here. It is a brand name. The term one wheel is a brand name for Future Motion's devices. Mm-hmm. What we trademarked. have here. Yeah, trademarked. What we have here on you know the table in front of Ren, that is not a one wheel. That is a VESC. And we are going to confuse the terms at times and just yeah, because it's us. so easy just to call it a one wheel. We call, I mean, we call it's it a, great a VESC name. because that's we. The name is VESC. It stands for Vetter Electric Speed Controller. Vetter is the name of the dude who invented the open source electronic speed controller system. Um, some, I think it's also called like variable electronic speed control. It, it doesn't matter. V E S C. E S C mm-hmm. is a very common uh, age old type of controller for motors. Mm-hmm. It's what we call it. It's the name. Same thing is like people forget that the one wheel is made by a company called Future Motion. Sure. <laughs> and not by a company called, called One, one wheel. wheel. Yeah, sure, sure. So, Ren, why did you build a Vesk? Especially as somebody who owns two GTs. Well, because uh, <laughs> I am an addict and uh, I need... No. I, I, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Exactly. I... I'm at a point in my life where I can afford a toy like this because this is more like having one one wheel. I wouldn't call a toy. I would call that a vehicle. Sure. Mm -hmm, Having multiple one wheels is a bit indulgent. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm prepared for that indulgence. (laughs) Uh, You have abundance. You're just uh, so for years we rode the one wheel XR, which is an incredible device, incredible device, incredible. But it was out for years. And, you know, 2021 is starting to come to a close and everyone's like, man, are they not going to announce like an updated version of the one wheel? Like we want more power. We want more range. The last thing they updated or the last thing they released was the pint, which is a smaller, more mainstream, more affordable version of a one wheel. But not what we're looking for. Yeah. Well, and it's also I'm, worth mentioning we had modded our XRs. I was going to say there was an entire modding uh, community where you could get aftermarket almost anything on uh, on the board from from rails to to batteries, batteries probably being the the yeah, the, the, main the, the biggest jump ahead because you could get uh, a lot more range out of it a lot more power mm-hmm. and so on and so forth there were also growlers uh, uh modifications where people took uh the smaller pint motor or tire and put it onto an xr body and, and with shorter rails uh, a- a- absolutely and uh, you you saw this big brewing um uh, uh, uh customizing community that was not being uh, thought of well by uh the the future motion gods the 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 one wheel uh, <laughs> uh makers did not really approve of any of this and um they certainly weren't designing their boards to make it easy to do that to it's, to be able to respec them out yeah. sure. and, and at times now, they actively included counter modding measures Hello, everyone. I have something very special for this podcast's sponsor today. We have not only been graced with turning the podcast into a lordship, we also made a lordship for Sam. No way. Yeah. Let me see this. Yeah. So through today's sponsor, Established Titles, you can become a Scottish lord or lady. We purchased a one square foot plot of land Mm. at a private estate in Edelston, Scotland. My goodness. It's got its own plot number. I see that. And in tradition with the historic customs uh, of Scotland, you can now be referred to as a lord. Oh, snap, dude. 
yeah. dream come true. Every time I go up there to get some poutine, I expect Lord to be my title. Yeah, and now, in accordance with Scottish tradition, you are a lord of the land. Oh my goodness. It's so official, in fact, that you can put it on different things that have a prefix to the title. You can put Lord Sam Gorski on something. Oh, dude. Oh, man. This has just uh, made life much more fun. This is a really cool way to help with uh, not only just, you know, a fun gift for friends and family. It helps with global reforestation efforts as well. They plant a tree for every square foot of land bought. They work with charities called One Tree Planted and Trees for the Future. Um, so that's another cool little thing. It's just in time for the holidays and the first 200 people to use establishedtitles.com slash cast will get a plot probably within walking distance from our plot. Yes, which will be heavily fortified, so do not <laughs> trespass. <laughs> just huge thanks to them for sponsoring. This is a fun little thing and um, I also have one here for Lord corridor casts. So if you're interested in getting your own lordship or ladyship, mm -hmm. head on over to establishedtitles.com slash corridor cast and you'll get 10% off. Dude, in this market, damn. All right, click the link in the description below. Back to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Remember the the charge and ride video we did several oh, years yeah. ago where you oh. and I rode from my house to the studio? Mm -hmm. You had just gotten the XR, which had just come out. Mm -hmm. I was still riding on the V1 from 2016 and there's a mod that I was able to do which basically allowed me to take a battery in my backpack go through a voltage conversion thing and then trick the one wheel into thinking it was being charged even though i was writing it <laughs> super sketch and you made a video about it we made a whole <laughs> video about it future motion was not pleased uh, <laughs> do you and, and, and i guess do you know why they're not pleased is it's, there okay we will get to a lot of this in this podcast including how to actually make a vesk including all of the components and stuff this will be a bit of a podcast here but yeah. to answer your question there are chapter markers yeah <laughs> if you want to just jump to the but it's all good. You just keep listening. Wait, I've already forgotten your question. Why Why do you think uh, uh, Future Motion's reaction to the customization market has been so uh, ne negative, I guess? Well, okay, there, it, there's a bunch of sides to the story. One of them is that it's a bit of a mystery because they don't really communicate very much about uh, their intense and sort of feelings about all this stuff but really what it comes down to is liability and risk because the moment we start modifying our boards we introduce potential failures into the thing which you know on the surface doesn't seem like that big of a deal because it's like well i should be able to do my own thing and if i mod it and break it that's my fault great what happens when you let someone else try it and then they get hurt whose mm -hmm. fault is it then sure sure well i i would say it's the person who modified the board's fault but there's been a lot of court cases that say, no, it's future motions. <laughs> it's like, sue them instead. <laughs> yeah, because no one wants to get sued, despite, you know, kind of taking on the responsibility. Then something happens, and you're like, oh. And last time I checked, there was 70 open lawsuits against future motion. Wow. wow. I didn't realize it was full on 70, though. Wow. I don't know where you saw that. There's a, there was a site where you could actually look up open lawsuits, and there was like 70. <laughs> I mean, maybe, there, maybe there's not 70 anymore. Maybe there's more. Mm. Uh, needless to say, the lawsuits do exist. Yeah. And Future Motion is dealing with that. And they have a device that if it stops working when you're cruising along, uh, you go down. Unlike a skateboard or bicycle where when it dies, it becomes a skateboard or bicycle. Yeah, it's like a helicopter where when it dies, you, <laughs> you might die too. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, on a one wheel going 20 miles an hour, if it dies, 
you might die too. Like oh, it's I, possible. I People literally have died think doing that. Every single person in this room has worn a cast or some form of uh, of of. We've yeah. all uh sacrificed something to our boards <laughs> literally um, including yeah. christian who has a broken shoulder uh, at this currently moment from the one wheel, uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone in here knows how dangerous they can be so i guess uh from future motion standpoint they're seeing that liability and and they're in a they're in a space where they can only afford so many of these lawsuits yeah. so they're just I guess, putting up uh, as many obstacles in the way uh, uh, as they can to prevent you from modding a board. Yeah, I think, I think it's also important to note uh, that, you know, Future Motion, they are not inherently against modifications. What they're against is the types, is, is the right type of modification that could potentially destroy your one wheel. Or or your life, <laughs> you know, like any once you start messing with the the motor, the battery or the controller that requires very specialized skill sets to even try to modify. That's when they're like, OK, no, n not don't do any of that. Yeah. Change Bumpers, the tire, not a big deal. Bumpers, yeah. not a big deal. But they it used to be for them like back in the early days. Uh, you know, I, I made one of the first tire change videos on the Internet for the mm -hmm. one wheel. It certainly has the most views. And. You know, I, I had talked with Future Motion about that, and they're like, yeah, we're constantly getting people sending their boards in who are trying to replicate the mods that you have shown, but they're messing it up and expecting us to fix it under warranty. And it's like, people, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what, so they've since kind of relaxed that a little bit. I think the community has grown large enough that they've just decided to accept it. You can now change out tires on a, on a one wheel, uh, without you voiding can, your warranty, without voiding the warranty. They even sell spare tires as well sure. at race for the rail this year for the first time ever. They allowed people to ride with different tires on. Oh, sick. Yeah. Sick. I was in Shout out to John Grace for apparently being a big guy pushing that forward. Sick. And yeah, so I think they are willing to, you know, be more open to accessorizing one wheels and that's oh that's the clear thing they're super down for accessories not too into modifications that's mm -hmm. the sort of verbal distinction I, I i was trying to clarify so so what happens when you're a ren weichman and you love your one wheel and the gt comes out and you're like this is nice but i was hoping for 10 more volts in that battery pack i was hoping for a different diameter tire i was hoping for w-shaped rails i was hoping for this and that and the other thing well to be clear i wasn't really specifically hoping for anything i just wanted a newer one wheel and they delivered and i absolutely love the gt so do i i sure. think it is an incredible device out I think of box it's... a stock uh gt is a it's a beast it's a beast uh mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know its riding profile is a little it's what we would call a little uh squirrelier the uh <laughs> uh the the point of contact between the uh, uh the wheel and the earth is smaller so it's a little more nimble, perhaps uh, harder to use in certain situations, but it did basically double the range, mm -hmm. double the power and um, added a bunch of fun new features that were pretty technically. Cool. I know you're just I'm just saying casually. Yes, yes, it yes. didn't technically double the power. And when I got the GT, there is a there's a trail in near Glendale. It's in North L.A., kind of between Glendale and Pasadena. Right above the highway there. We call it the dragon spine. It's a wave-like trail that basically just goes up and down. Like a dragon sleeping on hills. Yeah. Or riding its spine. But these are very steep hills. And no one wheel we've had has ever been able to climb 
to the top of those hills. We get most of the way, and then you walk the rest of the way, like the final like 20 feet or whatever. And then you ride down the backside and rinse and repeat on the next hill. Uh, and so I was like, oh man, the GT, I want, I bet I can do it. I bet I can do it. <laughs> and I had been loving the GT. Like it was so much fun. The power, like really being able to just push it and it just continues to, to give you the power uh, was really great. But the GT could not handle those hills. Mm-hmm. It couldn't make it to the top. It could only just slightly do more than the XR. Yeah. So let's get technical for a second here because there's going to be te- technical people listening to this podcast and we're trying to be technical. So one of the things that we're describing here is torque. Torque is basically the power that the wheel, the force that the wheel on the one wheel slash fast or whatever can put out. So imagine you're holding onto a stick that's been stabbed into the wheel and it tries to spin. It's like, how much can it pull that stick away from your hands? That's torque. Now, speed is a little bit different. Speed is how fast can you be going and still have more to give? If you're going 20 miles an hour and you lean on that front of the one wheel to go faster, does it have more to give? And obviously you need some torque to be able to do that as well. But torque, especially low-end torque when you're going slow, like you want to crawl over a bump, that comes from current, a.k.a. amperage. And speed, basically how fast you can go, comes from voltage. Basically, you need to have a high enough voltage that the tire, that the motor can still, or the battery can still provide power when you're going faster. Um, that's, that's a good way of putting it. It is slightly oversimplified. It, it is slightly oversimplified. It, all, it always <clears throat> still comes down to power. Yeah, but long story the short, the reason, sure. so the GT <clears throat> did not have as much torque as I was expecting mainly because it doesn't have the ability to put, put out more amperage. It has a little bit, it can do more amperage than the XR, but it can't just completely open those pipes because the batteries in these things can dump amps if you want them to. But the controller on the one-wheel GT doesn't let it dump amps. It lets it, you know, open up a little bit, but it doesn't let it dump amps. However, the battery on the GT is a 72, 73-volt battery versus the 63-volt battery in the XR. So that extra 10 volts gives you a higher range at the high end. Plus the ability to actually put more current through it versus the XR lets you go faster. You have a little more torque at the low end, but you have a lot more torque at the medium to high ends versus the XR also partially due to battery construction. It gets kind of complicated. And the reasoning for that is that there's an inverse relationship between torque and speed. Mm -hmm. The faster you go, the less torque you have. And this is a self-balancing device that uses torque to balance you. So the faster you go, the less ability it has to balance you. And that's where nose dives come from. People go really fast. And when you're going pretty fast and you lean forward just a little too far you don't even have to lean that far forward the board is still if if the frame of reference is like the side of the board and the world is just flying by but the camera's like stuck to the person Mm -hmm. the board still thinks you're leaning forward and is still trying to get underneath you but when you're going fast enough it doesn't have that torque so you end up falling over but Mm -hmm. if you're going really slow especially the the gt you know it's like it's got a ton of torque you can lean pretty far forward and it'll still go and that's created this whole movement called nose drags where someone it's in it's on our uh race for the rail video from a couple years back basically you drop the you push the nose down and you just ride it and the motor (laughs) continues to try to spin up and and it's a nuts trick um (laughs) it's it's absolutely terrifying for those of you that do it wow good job good on you (laughs) so long story short you know the gt's come out it it was a step up from the xr but for many people it's not what they're looking for because the gt is very much not moddable you can swap a tire. That's about it. That's about that said, it. Yeah. The GT is, it's a great board. They've added a lot of things to it that are really nice that I'm looking for, like the concave foot pads. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love them. Oh, I love the concave, love foot, the concave pad. foot pads. So many people are complaining <clears throat> about the foot pads, but I really love them. And that power on the board, it's, it's a much stronger board than the XR. And if, you know, Christian had been riding the GT instead of the XR, 
he his shoulder may still be with us today. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing is that like 20 miles an hour is kind of like the sweet spot for top speed. Sure. More yeah. or less. Obviously, these things can go faster because there's no such thing as a break. You can't just artificially stop someone because mm-hmm. these things work by using physics. Mm-hmm. And the moment you try to put a break on this thing, it's going to throw you forward. <laughs> yep. I'm always surprised how many people just cannot grasp that concept. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is there isn't such thing as a top speed. There's just a top torque. Yeah, sure. And so 20 miles an hour is generally around the speed where it's like, oh, this is this feels pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I kinda don't really want to go faster than this. <laughs> yeah. yep. And so the GT and the XR <clears throat> kind of both have the same top speed, quote unquote. Technically, they can do more. The GT is very much so capable of going faster than, than the XR ever could. Yeah. I hit 27 miles an hour on the GT a couple weeks Oof. ago. Oof. And it was nuts. It, I was wearing protective gear and I was very amped. And I, <laughs> I'm, I do not try that often. But point being, 20 miles an hour on a GT is significantly safer than 20 miles an hour on an XR because mm-hmm. it's got a lot more headroom sure. to be able to give you that power. So it, it was a smart move on Future Motion's part in that regard because everyone's going to be riding in that window and the power within that window is more solid. Yep. So the GT is definitely a safer board. However, if you're somebody who has ridden a lot of one wheels and you want to mod them and you have very specific things you're looking for, the GT may not scratch that itch. And because Future Motion is the only company making one-wheel type devices, there's nothing else you can turn to. And especially with this winter, there's a, there's a lot of, I guess, anger over a lack of a right to repair um, aspect to these wheels. And you can send them in to Future Motion to have them fixed, but Future Motion is only in one spot. They don't have repair stations up anywhere else around the world. For you now. Know, for now. They're working on it. It's not here yet. <laughs> so you know as far as i'm concerned it's not here yet yeah. once it's here i'll it's change true. my tune but you know if you're somebody in europe if you're somebody in new york and you're using this as your daily commute and it breaks well you got to ship your wheel all the way to california no screw that you want to just take it to a shop and fix it right then and there sure. like there's a lot of need and a lot of desires for things that people want that aren't necessarily being scratched by future motion that said if you want to try out a one wheel Future motion is the way to go. Like if you have never ridden a one wheel before and you're listening to this, be like, I want to build a vest. Buy a one wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Buy like they are wonderful devices. Uh, like stock, stock XR got yeah. us around for years yep. and uh, not, not, uh, I mean, some complaints, uh, some broken bones, but uh, past that, not much. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you can afford it, jump up to a GT. The only catch is you got to ship it to future motion if it breaks or something wears out for now. Um, but if, hey, especially if you're on the West Coast, don't hesitate. Buy a GT. Like, if you can afford it. If you can if, afford if, it. Like, if, yeah. If, if you're affording if you're it's a hard buy, thing, yeah. yeah, sure. Buying a used XR is the Great best deal you option. will find. Yeah. You can get them for anywhere between $800 and $1,200 for a used XR. You're not paying sales tax on it. Yep. Uh, if you find one for $1,000, honestly, that is a very good deal. Yep. Uh, be aware, though, uh, a, a lot like. Uh, most things with batteries it's the battery that's going to be the first thing to give out and that's usually what leads people to uh you know trying to get rid of boards for pretty cheap so just uh but thankfully the xr is fixable yes exactly you can, yes. you can swap a but battery what the is XR. the most expensive part the battery the battery so <laughs> so it's just something to as you're looking at a used market be aware that uh the batteries on those devices are probably uh, have probably, probably shot. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I wouldn't say probably. It really depends. Yeah, a lot sure. of people will buy a one wheel and they'll put like maybe 50 or 100 miles on it and be like, yeah, this isn't really my thing. So you end up with a great deal because it's like in 
mint condition. Sure. Any sure, any sure. one wheel with like 500 or less miles is that's a good one wheel still. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, I think I I want to touch upon one more thing before we get into the actual instructions on how to build a vesk. So, my if if I were future motion, if I if I was a CEO, I would look at vesks as a blessing because they take a pressure off of future motion. Cuz future motion makes a great product. They make they make the device that most people who want a one-wheeled snowboard-like device, like that's the device. Buy the Future Motion one wheel. Um, the 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 Vesk audience, the people that want to build their own custom wheels, it's a very small slice of people that would enjoy riding one wheels. And so I don't think it's going to like steal any business away from Future Motion. But yeah. more importantly, it takes the pressure off of Future Motion to have to worry about hyper-specialized machines. It's like somebody wants a really high-end like trail crusher, they can build one with a Vesk. Someone wants a trick board, they can build one with the Vesk. Someone wants a board that they can constantly repair and constantly break because they're crazily trying different things. Cool. You don't have to worry about future motions, lack of repair centers. You can build a Vesk. It covers the extreme hobbyist uh, mm-hmm. part of the, the, the community. And yeah, that, that's, uh, that's great. And I mean, uh, one of the rides last week, uh, uh, there were three Vesks, uh, um, four riders, three Vesks, mm-hmm. and one GT. It's not like the GT didn't keep up. We were all, uh, 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 all the wheels made it (laughs) (laughs) through the ride. It's just the, the profiles are all different. The way they ride is all different. And uh, yeah, the, the vest kind of uh, gives you a lot of those customizations that perhaps you're looking for. Now, Future Motion does view vests as competition. They do view it as, as, something that they don't want to exist yeah. as really, any company with a monopoly would want they would want to not have that around <laughs> but they I agree they should i i'm on your i'm on your side with that nico i i agree um i'm not and, saying that because i like i like vests i'm saying like if i were the ceo of future motion i'd be like thank god vests exist because now i can focus on making one wheels and i don't have to worry about one percent of the audience loudly complaining all the time that i'm not making the one wheel that they want yeah yeah <laughs> like mwah, thank you vest mwah, thank you thank you take these people <laughs> away from me so i can just make one wheels and sell them to everybody else because <laughs> like, i was a little i was a little yeah. hesitant about making this video about vests and whatnot and, you know we've been debating it for literally the last two or three months and i ended up kind of eventually coming around to yes we should do this partly because of what you're saying but also partly because it's like is this really gonna be that much of like a <sighs> This isn't going to make any dent into Future Motion's profits. Yeah. You know, it, if anything, it's going to perhaps slightly help on that front because now all the people who will be breaking their boards and sending them in aren't going to be sending them in anymore. <laughs> people like I, uh, in the uh, Jimmy Chang podcast, uh, Kai was saying that like a lot of people think that the repairs are an actual aspect of their business. <laughs> oh, no. And it's like, no, it's kind of like a loss. <laughs> like they take a loss more or less anytime they have to do repairs, even if it's uh even if they're paying for it, it's not under warranty and all that stuff. But like of course. I mean you do yeah. not make money fixing other people's one wheels. It doesn't matter if you're charging people money for that. Like there's there is no volume to be to to like make yeah, up revenue not, in there. It's not like it's you know automobiles where there's just so mm. many on market. Where yeah, that was where I was going with that. People think uh, it's a a profitable business venture repairs because it is in the automotive industry. Mm-hmm. You know, repairing cars is a whole sure. industry in and of itself. Sure. And yeah, and so people kind of just make that assumption, even though it's not really the case. Um. So yeah, I guess. I eventually came around to it because I 
What I don't want to do is I do not want to harm Future Motion because I want them to succeed very badly. I want them to do well. And I do not view making a VESC and making a video about how to make a VESC as being harmful to them. Mm-hmm. And that was ultimately why I decided that we should do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might disagree with that, but I so disagree with their disagreement. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe they agree with you. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Another thing about it is that they are very limited in what they're able to communicate because of all the liability and, and whatnot. Like even the word choice that they use for explaining things is very heavily um, legalized. Legalized. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the company is essentially run by lawyers, which is a bit of a, a bummer. But I mean, the, you know, they got engineers, they got people who are very passionate about one wheeling but at they the end of the day I said I mean at the end of the day they send me lawsuits up open you know or at least yeah. they did last time I checked <laughs> right yeah and that'll kill your company and that's the end of one wheels and we don't want one wheels to, one wheels to disappear not at all not at all not and all. yeah and they will if everybody goes hard against them like mm-hmm. that's just the reality they're not a huge company sure and so for years I have been just waiting for the day where I can just I don't know that has always scared me. What if they go out of business? I, I guess I'll have my one wheel until it gets so broken I can't repair it anymore into the future. Well, that that sucks. And no one else is going to be able to buy a, a, or make a one wheel, build a one wheel for whatever reason. Um, and so I've always been looking forward to the day where Future Motion could go out of business. Not that I, I really want that to not happen. I'm just saying <laughs> I get they what you're could. Saying. <laughs> and I could still continue to enjoy this thing that I love so much to my core. Forever. And two months ago or two and a half, what occurred that uh, uh, <laughs> that made these wonderful little vests? Possible? Oh, I thought you were getting at my hand breaking. Oh, no. Because <laughs> no, that was like two and a half months ago. Uh, there is, oh, there is yeah. something that occurred that made, made this possible, which is we, Lee, at Makers BEV, came out with a self-contained brain for a vest. Um, and he also has kits you can do, but that was our jumping in point. Yeah. So... Basically, the VESC movement has been evolving and growing for the last two years. Before that, it wasn't really a thing. And I wouldn't even really say the last two years of it, I would, it's like a tiny thing. And it's, it's, it's hard for people who are really into the space to acknowledge this because <laughs> it's their whole world. They're like, everyone just doing this. And it's like, yeah, all 12 of you. <laughs> sure, yeah, the, 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 uh, the bar to enter is pretty high, right? Yeah. Um, you got to know a good amount about electrical engineering engineering in general also coding be, yeah also be wealthy enough to yeah. uh, uh invest but yeah. we're gonna lower that bar on this podcast Woo. right now but yeah so like earlier this year the firmware which is the code that controls how the motor responds finally got to a point where it was actually kind of like oh this is not bad anymore okay and i was psyched on you know uh you got guys like uh max uh mad max on youtube uh uh you know vesk man surf dotto uh they're making these really cool videos about Hannes. like open yeah Hannes, <laughs> uh vesk man um <clears throat> yeah they're you know they're making cool videos about this open source one wheel and they're like it's, it's good now it's really good and we're like this is it nico Let's this is it. time we bought everything that you see here is completely third party with the exception of the motor again we'll get to all that and but and the main thing the was the controller um yeah yeah okay there's there's what am i getting at we jumped in, we built the vest, we got it working, and it was all basically off camera. Mm-hmm. We were just doing this for ourselves. And it was 
okay. Okay. <laughs> it was it okay. Was, it was just okay. <laughs> the first uh, weekend we went out riding, I uh, we did the dragon spine. I got on Nico's uh, uh, vest, and within maybe twenty seconds, all I could think was, "This is going to kill me. This is just going to kill me." It, uh, it did not feel stable. The, the, that is the nice thing about the GT. It is a very finely tuned piece of machinery. It feels very solid and yeah. stable. I I feel very mm. comfortable like bombing huge hills with it. Whereas the second I got on the Vesk, as cool as they are, holy <laughs> crap, man. Oh, yeah. man. It was a uh, it made me yeah. realize that the relationship between a writer and the board is all about trust. Yeah. And the moment you don't have trust in the board, you don't want to ride. Mm-hmm. Like I remember back in the V1 days, I had a problem with my <laughs> foot pad and it would just randomly Turn off. Yep. 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 <laughs> at yep. Whatever speed. And yep. so I'd be going along at like say 10 miles an hour. I'm not talking about like a nosedive where you slowly lose power over the course of a second. You know, a nosedive, it's it's not just like a cutoff. It's like ew, it gives out on you. It's like giving up like the last breath. Like <laughs> uh but a cutout where the power actually yep. goes out is just like instantly down and and it's so sudden and jarring that it throws you. And <laughs> knowing that that could happen at any time is like <clears throat> I, I hated one wheeling. And the Vesk felt like a V1 in terms of how it rode. Mm-hmm. It has it was a little quirky. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it had like this weird nose flutter where the nose would like kind of dip on you. And nothing is more terrifying on a one wheel than the nose dipping on you. Mm-hmm. It did not build confidence. It did not build trust. It, Especially getting on the GT and it's like, it's rock solid. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, this is a premium ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, we, you know, Nico and I, we gave it a solid shot. We rode the Vesks quite a bit for like a solid like couple weeks, two or three weeks there before eventually Messing being like. settings, tuning. Like, we're like, oh, you just tweak it. We're like tweaking all over the place. Oh yeah, we tried so many different settings. We tried other people's tune cards, all their settings and all this stuff. And it was just like, at the end of the day, I couldn't get a board that felt good to ride, and so I didn't want to ride it. Mm-hmm. And I would go back to the GT because I loved the GT. Mm-hmm. And then the second change that happened was about like two weeks ago, three weeks ago maybe by the time this podcast comes out. A new firmware update came out for the Vesk, and it changed everything. Yep. I think uh, what Mitch, I can't remember his last Mitch, name. Mitch, uh, yeah, I don't know. I met so him at Foot Life Fest. Cool guy. He's the guy who helped me... Uh, change the settings to get it to stand vertically mm-hmm. um he figured out that basically uh he was able to apply a filter to just one axis of the rotation mm-hmm. whereas before they were applying it to all three axes and it was just making the board feel too laggy and stuff like yeah. that La- laggy elastic elastic kind of yeah. dips and that sure. was causing the nose to do all this weird stuff yeah and once there's like wait what if we just filter one axis the one that bumps up and down that you actually want to filter and we don't touch the others and suddenly it's like <gasps> my board is perfect now it went from being <laughs> like this board is jankier than a v1 to being like is this the best one wheel <laughs> what uh what made it that way what was the uh what was the winning ticket it was the confidence in the in, in the board you know it, it went from eh, I, I, it, my board was toby mcguire and then now it's toby mcguire if he got bit by a spider radioactive <laughs> I don't know why I yeah, said Toby, not, not like Peter Parker. Spider, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not normal yeah. spider. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. When you're riding a GT and you go over a bump, the board stays perfectly flat. It is literally like you are standing on a floor. And you can feel everything moving under you and you can feel the bumps and stuff, but the board is just rock solid. It is so tuned in to the motor and electricity that the moment something's going to tilt the board a little bit, no, it fixes it. And you're, just, you're riding a rock solid flat board. And when you like start going faster and faster, you're like, 
15, 16, 17 miles an hour and you're hitting bumps and the board doesn't even care and it's just rock solid and flat, you feel like you can go 20 miles an hour safely. And in fact, like the first time riding the GT, I still had my broken collarbone. I hit 19 and a half miles an hour on the board. With your broken collarbone? Yeah. Remember we were driving up to see Adam Savage? Yeah. (laughs) And we were doing that one like little ride around on that one smooth street. You didn't have a wait. I was like three weeks out from my my collarbone healing or being broken. Yeah, it was right at the top of summer. Yep. Okay. And we were on the smooth street. I was like, I can just go twenty miles an hour. Like I, because you feel that the like when you push on the board, you feel that it has more to give, and it's rock solid. It doesn't dip. It doesn't sag. And the Vesks were, and now they don't. Now they have that rock solid feeling Mm -hmm. that the GT has. You're like, I can go twenty miles an hour, and you hit a bump, and the board doesn't care. It stays perfectly flat. There is still like it's still has some weird quirks to it we have been continuing to mess with the settings i think i've finally arrived on a few settings that i think like make it feel good now but every now and then there's still like it depends on like the right frequency of bumps you hit to confuse the filters and whatnot and then my nose will start dipping Mm -hmm. and it takes a moment for the nose to come back up that's that's weird but it's for the most part there. like ren would you say the vesk rides better or worse than the gt Let me guess. You're going to oh, say man. better in some ways and worse in others. Well, of course, yes. <laughs> I think I'll say at the end of the day, the GT still rides better. It still feels a little bit more premium. This The Vesk feels a little bit more raw, mm-hmm. uh, but... But it can perform. But it can perform. Yep. And there's another thing to it as well, which I, I've talked with uh, a bunch of guys who are into the Vesk stuff, you know, uh, Nico Allman, uh, Josh Haley, uh, a few other guys from Life Fest, and... You know, it's really cool to be able to kind of discuss these things and try to figure out what exactly is in the secret sauce of Future Motion's, like, writing profile. Because it's pretty advanced. All of this, like, most people don't realize that when the board turns, it actually accelerates a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's just because so, if you don't, the nose hits the ground. Mm. And so it has to actually accelerate a little bit to lift that nose anytime you turn. And that's been the case since the V1. And mm. and a Vesk, you know, I think in the earlier days, they didn't really quite have that tuned in so like it was a problem and now it's a full-on slider you can make it really extreme so i can do these freaking like 1080s just by standing in one spot by just getting really up on the side of the the tire and just start trying to go and it just spins in place essentially um i don't know where i was going with that (laughs) (laughs) just you know tell us about how cool it is well here i think this is a perfect time for us to be like all right ladies and gentlemen the tutorial is going to begin now and we're going to open this tutorial with some thanks I want to thank Surf Dotto <laughs> for all the work he's done. I want to thank We for all the work he's done as well. Mitch for making One Wheels great. Um, not One Wheels. <laughs> sorry. For making vests uh, ride really smoothly. Um, mm-hmm. Mad Max for all the work he's done with making YouTube videos and kind of introducing people to this. Whoop, whoop. Nice guy. Whoop, whoop. Nice guy. Because I mean, like, Hannes. Hannes is making cool videos, but uh, Max was the dude actually, like, I don't know, making the types of videos that got casual one wheel riders like hyped. He got mm-hmm. me hyped. And and that was kind of like he was the guy who literally pushed both of us over the edge to jump into this. Yep. And also a quick little shout out to uh float wheel, flow glider, chai battery. Like they're making the pieces that we need to make this. Fungineers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll get into all components here in a moment. Not float wheel. Not float wheel. I don't know. I've, that's the wrong name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. Thank him, whatever. But I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different like one wheel companies out yeah. there now. Like, like I'm wearing a shirt from the float gang mm. based out of Florida. I mean, yeah. it's a bunch of crews, you know, it's like they'll make podcasts, uh, the float gang, uh, you know, they'll make 
t-shirts and when they start getting bigger they actually start making big accessories the biggest company i think would probably be either the float life or craft and ride Ride. yeah Mm -hmm. sure and And they make access that like literally their entire business is piggybacking off of this one device from a company Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm making great products. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, Honestly, the bang for your buck is incredible through all. Uh, yeah, all I adore Craft and Ride. Uh, yeah. Nick and Mike, those guys are super awesome. They're they're the for kind real, of guys you want real. to run a company, yeah, and yeah. yeah, they care about customer service. They make great products, mm-hmm. and they also uh, r- distribute a lot of other accessories that other people make. And so it's kind of like like craftandride.com. I think it's kind of like a one stop shop for pretty much any one wheel accessory. Commercially, okay, vest, vest tutorial, vest tutorial. Right, I, I don't know. Why. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so point being, what uh, what is a uh, a one wheel like device made out of, Ren? Okay, so a one wheel device. Uh, if you were to try to simplify this down to the most simple components, you have a motor, a brain, and a power source, mm-hmm. and some sort of vessel that holds all of it together. And so a one wheel skeleton. Is... <laughs> yeah, and so like, yeah, you have the motor and tire. You have the front foot pad and the back foot pad, which has a volume inside of it that you can put other things in. Um, if we're parting out a board, the the main I guess architecture revolves around the rails, and we are using these rails from the Fungineers. Fungineers mm-hmm. I think might be their website. Uh, there, I think they might be mostly on Facebook. They uh, this is their first rail setup, I believe. Uh, but Float Life has been making rails for a long time. A bunch of a uh, variety of those tires, a bunch of different options for tires as well as foot pads and even bumpers. Like four different companies are making bumpers now. Yep, and Here, the let's... bumpers are the 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 yes. element that's These on the things. bottom that prevents Scrapes. your uh, uh, your your brain and your battery from being damaged. <laughs> yeah. These yep. are uh, a special edition corridor digital bumpers from the Ooh. float life <laughs> which i believe now are just up as regular bumpers <laughs> i mean probably yeah <laughs> just black and yellow bumpers yep um, yeah so so if you're going to build a vesk you need a motor and a tire you're going to need a brain and some sort of compartment to hold the brain you're going to need a battery and some sort of compartment to hold the battery you're going to need rails which are the two metal pieces on the side of the one wheel slash vesk that hold this all together you're going to need foot pads so you can stand on the board. And in particular, the front foot pad needs a sensor to turn the board on and off. And, and that's also, if you want to model it after a one wheel. The great thing about Vesk is suddenly you can model those constraints anything. go away. Yeah. Sure. But let's just assume we're going to do it the way we did it. Yeah. Also, you're going to need a charger for the battery. Don't forget, when you get a battery, you also need to have a charger for it. <laughs> sure. Okay. So step one, what Got do you do? in the box. Buy a used XR. Step one. Yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to start out... And building a vest, your very first ever vest. And is that any no, no, no. used XR? If you're starting or... out, just yeah, get into one wheeling. Oh, yeah, get yeah, into sure. one wheeling. Start with one wheels. So yeah, I guess <laughs> once is... your once your XR is broken, <laughs> and it can it be? Does it have to be a specific XR? Any XR? I know, okay. any, any like XR. people are doing it with pines. Uh, people are doing it with like V ones and pluses. You like... don't need any one wheel. You don't need any one wheel or future motion parts. Also, but we're just going to approach this from a, a simple, approachable direction. Right. So now. the vast majority of people who would be interested in getting the vest, there's probably two groups. One, you live overseas and getting one wheels are kind of difficult for you. And, you know, especially the concept of having it, having it repaired and shipping it across the ocean. That sucks. And you, I can totally see that being an interest of, for you to get into one wheeling by just jumping in the deep end by building a Vesk. I wouldn't recommend it, but I get it. Secondly, it's going to be people who already have a one wheel that maybe have broken it or they want to try this out and whatnot. You know, all of that. 
there's various reasons. Maybe they, they want a, a different battery. Maybe they don't want the BMS, the battery management system, which is a whole computer chip inside of the battery compartment that is fragile, uh, to put it one way. <laughs> and uh, it, it often breaks. Um, yeah. After a certain amount of miles, uh, your, your BMS is, uh, uh, will probably burn out. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a, an XR, used, broken, doesn't matter, you effectively have all the parts you need to make a VESC outside of a brain and arguably a battery. You could use the stock battery, but if you're going to make I mean, a VESC... Most, let's be real. Most people are going to use the stock battery because there aren't any other options right now. There are, there are a couple we'll get Ish. to that. When we get to the battery segment, we'll talk about that. So, so starting out, let's talk about the non-electronic components. You're going to need a set of rails. I recommend you check out the rails from Float Life or the rails from Fungineers, the Thunder Rails. Start with those, or if you have a used XR, you can just simply use the rails from your XR. Get whatever you'd like, but check out those resources You first. could probably also go on Facebook Marketplace and just search one-wheel parts. Some people like will literally have their one-wheel, and they will break it down into their components and sell those components individually, mm. because there's a whole marketplace for the controller of a one-wheel, mm. for the BMS of a one-wheel, because you can't buy them on their own. In order for you to get your hands on one, someone else had to disassemble a one wheel. Yeah, sure. It's sure. like heart transplants. You know, it's like you can't just buy a heart. Someone has to die. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing down this line of the non-electronics part of this. So you have your rails. You're going to need compartments to store your brain and your battery. So we'll get to the brain in a second. That, the compartment's kind of built into that. But the battery, once again, you can use the battery compartment from an XR. You could also 3D print one. Or you can buy the Torque Box, uh, which is from, I think it's Badger Wheel. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have a different company name. But the Torque Box Badger Wheel, yeah. is a specific battery compartment that fits in a XR style frame. And it's a little extra big, so you can fit a little bit of an extra big battery inside of it. You will, however, need a specific bumper that mm -hmm. fits the Torque Box because it's bigger than an XR battery compartment. You can use an XR's battery compartment as well if you want, especially if you're using a stock battery. That sure, comes but XR. if you're going to use like a Chai, uh, uh, again, all these modifications are probably going to require you to bust out a Dremel. Yeah. Okay, and, we'll, we'll get to that okay, in the battery okay, section. Okay, sure, yeah, because that's going to be a whole chapter. That's yeah. definitely like the biggest challenge of this. But so far in our non-electronic pieces, we've got rails. We have the compartment that holds the battery, and that could be the one that comes with an XR, or it can be the torque box, or it can be a 3D printed thing. Now we need to talk about bumpers. You can get these amazing bumpers from the Float Life, or if you have the Torque Box, like I was talking about, the thing that holds the battery, you'll need a special bumper for that. Uh, and I think that it, I can't remember the name of that type of bumper. Is it the? It's like the Torque, torque bumper, bumper or something like that. <laughs> it's based, isn't it made by uh, Badger Wheel? Mm -hmm. It's yep. made in association at the very least. Okay. Yeah. So. so final little bit here is the foot pads, and that kind of transitions us to electronics. Rear foot pad, I recommend the Cush pad. It's lovely. The Cush from, Wide is my favorite. You can get it from Craft and Ride. Uh, nothing electronic about it. It's just rubber. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the front foot pad, however, needs to have a sensor in it. So you can buy, you can buy foot pads that have the sensor. Um, I don't actually know where. I have any recommendations, but we'll probably have it in the description below. However, you just go on Future Motion OneWheel.com and you can buy their foot pads. Sure. Uh, yeah. Now, frustratingly, though, you can't buy just the front foot pad. Yes, yeah, so you're gonna get the back. Foot pad you're too. gonna get a set. And sure. I'm not even sure you can still buy XR foot pads. Mm. Oh, that's right. I don't uh, know if you can, because they discontinued the XR. Wow. I, yeah, I, you yeah, could yeah. for a while. I have a feeling it's still up. I could be wrong. Either yeah, because I, I saw they still had V1, uh, some V1 parts on yeah. their, oh, well their then, store. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be surprised if, I mean, I don't know. But I, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm running an, an XR foot pad on same, the front of my wheel. Same. Yep. So, okay. So, we basically got 
your non-mechanical, your non-electronic things out of the way. And by the way, we just constructed like half of our one wheel. Or sorry, our VESC. <laughs> I told how, you I'd be confusing. The look two. at how easy that was. Look how easy We're that was. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. Okay. Let's get into the first important thing. The brain. Here's what everybody should do. Head on over to makerspev.com, I believe. Dot com, I believe. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com, I believe. <laughs> now, if you're lucky, we has his uh, fully assembled units for sale at the time that you hear this podcast. Realistically, he won't. <laughs> Realistically, he'll be sold out because they are amazing. And he's just like, it's like two dudes making them. Sure. Um, but hey, welcome to the world of open source DIY, right? Hop onto the Facebook One Wheel group, the One Wheel Vesk Builders group. Or pv.dev. Yep, PevDev. The forum, PevDev. And if they aren't available, ask if they'll be available. Or wait, or check the site in a few weeks. He's actively working on them. Like, yeah. they're coming out, he's shipping them all the time. So, But it's like literally just two or three guys. Yeah, it's, they're <laughs> just dudes. So, like, you want one? Just go talk to them. If they're not available, just, just or just, you know, be patient. In a few weeks, it'll pop up, you know? So what, the, what he's making, though, so the Vesk is literally a computer chip. Yep. It's a, just a big it's like an populated uh, silicon board uh, with a bunch of like capacitors, MOSFETs, inductors, all that stuff that controls a motor. That's what the VESC is. But you can't just like take that and like tape it to your one wheel and expect it to work. So what has had to come out around that is an entire enclosure for it mm -hmm. and an enclosure that has all the correct dimensions to fit one wheel rails. The mm -hmm. XR one wheel rails. And specifically so, like the screw points and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what's inside of that is essentially just that VESC, the, the chip with a big heat sink and stuff like that. Various plugs and stuff for the, the charger, the power button here. Yep, there's a power button on one side. Which is red. Look at that. It's <laughs> pretty sick. Pretty sick. Um, yeah, and, and so I guess the angle that Maker's PEV is taken is by taking, taking like the, the flow glider kits essentially and combining it with uh, their own design for the the actual 3d printed enclosure they did tons of testing to figure out what won't break uh what is watertight enough you know various types of plastic you know abs pet g pla etc all those things and they i think they've settled on a design that will work continue uh continue to work going forward yep. and the big thing about the kit though is that the plugs and connectors are all compatible with regular one wheel XRs. Yep. That's the big thing. So the battery plug is the same. You can use your regular battery, plug it in. The one wheel motor has a weird freaking automotive type plug on it. You can plug it into the, the vest. Yep. You basically can swap the brain and you're almost good to go. Like if you have an XR, you take out the future motion brain and you put in your vest brain from Makers PEV and you plug everything in and you're basically good to go. Like so, it's that simple almost. So let's say you have a one wheel XR and your board broke somehow and you have to send it in to get repaired. Whether the BMS was uh, broken or the controller was broken, that could be upwards of five or six hundred dollars to fix. Easy, sure. Assuming sure. it's out of warranty. If sure. it's under warranty and you're not. If it's an XR, to... it's probably not in water warranty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> Point being. You know, that's several hundred dollars worth of repairs just to get it back to where you were. Or you can spend, I think they're like 700 400, bucks. 700 bucks for for the fully self-assembled box for the, the Flow glider box. Okay, yeah, for cool. the Vesk, um, which is a that, I mean, that's not cheap. I understand mm -hmm. that it's certainly not cheap, but it opens up a lot of doors mm -hmm. and a lot of possibilities. And you can another thing is that the Vesk actually does unlock more power from the motor. Yep. Mm -hmm. So remember at the beginning of this uh, conversation, I was talking about torque and now torque, especially at low end, comes from current and future motions uh, brain 
has a smaller pipe than the Vesk. The, the pipe on the Vesk is much, much bigger to the point where you can basically pull all the amps that your battery can give. And it's more about how many amps can the motor handle. And the Vesk is like, I'll give the motor as much amps as it wants. And the motor's like, I can't handle anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're kind of like sacrificing a little bit of range and... Yeah. Uh, um... Also durability, because that's another name of the game for future motion, because they are selling devices that need to last for years and thousands of miles. And so they artificially limit the power going to the motor, like the, the braking current, the actual like current that goes to it is limited i don't know what the actual amperage is maybe 30 or 35 amps i'm not exactly sure uh it doesn't matter point being is that it doesn't matter they are limiting it in a way that you can't throw too much power into the device that will cause the components to eventually wear out faster sure yeah and that's not a problem with the vesk Okay, so let's say you... it technically is a problem. That's what I'm getting oh, sorry. at. It is technically, it is a, technically problem. a problem. Just be easy on your equipment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's say you go to Maker's PEV and you go to buy that flow glider box and it's just not there, right? This fully self assembled kit is just not available. And you really want to jump in. Well, guess what? It's actually still really easy to jump in, Jan. Hit me. <laughs> Hit me. So they have a full kit. They sell Maker's PEV. It's all the parts for the vest, including the vest, the wires, the connectors. Um, you specifically want the non heat sink version because then you're going to head over to flowglider.com. You're going to get the lid for the box. You're going to get the lid that has the mount for the Vesk. Because that metal lid on the box is going to act as your heat sink. Okay, okay. And there okay. is a tutorial video that shows how to take all the pieces from Maker's PEV. And you're going to 3D print the box. Or you can buy one. I recommend checking out Lit Timber for 3D printed boxes. Uh, you're going to get specifically the lid mount box. Love and you're going to get specifically the lid mount lid from Flow Glider. Love so it. once again, it's the kit from Maker's PEV, the non-heat sink vesk kit full diy kit comes with all the cables you're gonna get the box for the brain from lit timber or print it yourself um or there's other people that offer to you can easily hop onto the facebook group and ask sure but lit timber has like carbon fiber prints i got everything and then you're going to get the lid mount lid from flow glider you're going to assemble it yourself it takes like 15 minutes it's not that hard you plug in a couple cables you put a couple things in the spots and you're done there's like maybe it's a gonna take longer than 15 minutes. there's actually a video of it it's very straightforward now with the lid mount it's actually very very straightforward it's literally about as simple as plugging a gpu and some ram and like connecting your power supply to like pc parts if you've ever opened up a pc and like swapped the gpu you can build a brain for your for your one wheel so it's very for sure you're still probably assuming a lot at the second time through it'll be 15 minutes uh. <laughs> yeah no it's important to know yeah. if you are at all hesitant around electronics this is not the project for you yes or yeah. it is and you're going to get uh, less hesitant as you go <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a bunch of people that are very helpful but once again you watch this video of building a, a vesk brain in the full glare box it's it's very straightforward. It is like an intermediate Lego build. Like we're, it's not that complicated. <laughs> Just follow the instructions. Have you ever built time. a Death Star? You can build a vest. <laughs> you can build a vest. So you got your 3D printed box. You got your electronics inside of it. You got your lid on top. And now you have your self-enclosed brain ready to go. That's really all there is to it. Maker's PEV, flow glider for the lids. And either print your own box, find something that can print it for you, or buy one from like Lit Timber or something like that. There's another option. There's another option Hit from us. Fungineers. Oh, really? So it, we have this. Uh, if you buy a set of rails or if you buy their super flux motor, actually, I don't know about that one. Don't quote me on that. But at the very least, if you bought their Thunder Rails, which we have here, it comes with the metal lid for both the front and the back compartment enclosure. Mm -hmm. And 
files, STL files that you can 3D print for the controller or the battery box. Yeah, which happens to be literally what you're buying if you go to Lit Timber. You're sure. buying a 3D printed version of that STL file. Yeah. And yeah. you can also sure. just, I mean, you can take the STL file. There are tons of services out there that will print it for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So lots of ways to get your box printed. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going to get your metal lid, lid mount style for the VESC from Flow Glider, and you're going to get the kit from Makers PEV. Or if you're lucky, slash willing to drop a little extra money, get the fully self-assembled kit from Makers PEV if it's available. Boom. Your brain's taken care of. Next step. There is, I mean, the the future motion battery, one of the anti-modification things they've tried doing is literally just taking the plug and putting it on backwards. And that kind of sucks. <clears throat> if you know about it, it's not a problem. So it's not really a very effective thing in my mind. You're, they're just creating problems where people accidentally destroy stuff. But the future motion battery is the negative is positive and the positive is negative. Yeah. And uh. so the, the maker's PEV controller doesn't have it reversed. We told me that he refused to put in a reversed plug Good for him. built into it. He's like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, and so if you want to use your your stock uh, battery with the the Maker's PEV um, kit, he's got a little plug converter that basically just reverses it, and you just you plug it in. Yep. Okay, so you got your brain, and like I said, there's a bunch of instructions for the details. Like you plug this here, you plug this here, you put this here, you attach this here. Once again, it's very straightforward. You watch the video of the guy stumbling, and you're like, oh, this is very straightforward. Um, but you got your brain, and you know what? Slip it on those rails, screw it in, boom, you're done, right? <laughs> For the brain, the brain. Now we have to deal with the battery, and then we have to deal with connecting everything, right? So next step is the battery. Things get a little more complicated here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A so, little? A little. A lot more. All right. Ren and I were lucky enough to get CBSCO batteries from Chai Battery Systems before they discontinued them. And CBCSO. CBS? CBCSO. CBCSO. Um, and Chai Battery, if you're listening, please, we need another battery that has a self-contained BMS. It doesn't have to be 84 volts. It could be 80 volts. It could be 76 volts. It doesn't matter. But please, the, the DIY There's Vest a lot movement. of context that, that supports <laughs> that Needs plea. another battery with a built-in BMS. So, Try, listen to us. Listen, <laughs> heed our word. So, okay, so there is, there aren't really, there haven't been many options for one-wheel batteries if your battery dies. You have to send it in, they'll put a new one, and then you can carry on your way. Then this company based out of Chicago called Chai Battery Systems sprung up making replacement batteries that you can just swap out if you know how to, like, take out screws. Mm. It's like it's, it wasn't actually that hard. And they're like, but there is a little bit more space in here. What if we took out the little spacers between the batteries and packed in 
double the batteries. <laughs> and that was where my favorite battery came out, which is called the CBXR. Mm-hmm. It was a battery that was meant for the One Wheel XR, and it essentially went twice as far. I, I was easily able to get like over 20 miles of range on a CBXR, mm-hmm. even though they would advertise like 25 to 30 miles. It was like, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, not the pace that we ride. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so they've they've got replacement batteries for the pint uh for the plus for the xr and earlier this year they came out with a new battery that's specifically meant for vesk conversion kits Mm -hmm. and it was specifically designed to fit within the enclosure for the one wheel xr and it was a 20 cell battery compared to the xr which was a 15 cell battery Mm -hmm. what does that mean it means you have 15 individual little lithium ion cells in series to add up to a certain voltage and the batteries we have are 20 cells so there's an additional five cells in series to increase that voltage also there's like two series in parallel it doesn't matter point being it's a more powerful battery and it's incompatible with any one wheel again this is not a one wheel Mm -hmm. and so we thought this is it this is this is what we've been wanting we want because the the stock battery pack on a Vesk was already outperforming a GT, mm-hmm. and a GT has has higher voltage. Uh, Mad Max showed that in his videos, and so we're like, oh man, bigger battery pack. We got it. It's really volts. cool. Oh, eighty four volts is amazing, which is the maximum the Vesk can take. By the way, it's eighty four volts, and promptly couldn't fit it in the battery <laughs> enclosure. <laughs> it could not fit, and so. And they're like, yeah, no, you just got to like cut away some of the plastic material. Bruh, it's not. We spent an entire day basically just dremeling out the inside of the battery enclosure. We're just like full on like, all right, all these little plastic bits, they're gone. And we're shaving it down like hardcore shaving it down. I mean, even the CBXR. CBXR was a hard fit, too. Yeah. This uh, is significantly harder. Wow. Yeah. And to the point where, like, you get it all in there, it packs in, you put the metal lid on, and there's like a four or five millimeter gap <laughs> between the bottom of the enclosure and the metal lid that sits on top of it. And so mm. you have to, like, take clamps <laughs> to clamp it down just so you can get the screw in far enough to catch. And then you can screw that corner and then you go to the other side, put that corner in, and go around the perimeter, and then slowly just tighten them all down until the, the metal plate and literally folds that down nothing, around it. Uh, nothing yeah. gets squeezed out of place. Or... And so that has been problematic. You know, that sure. is that, you know, you put that much pressure on, on the batteries. The battery cells themselves are actually pretty dang strong, but the connections between the batteries are not. And sure. so the CBCSO has these little has these little, I call them bunny ears. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally uh, four extra cells, two two pairs of two cells that stick out and then out like that. And they basically, they sit up and they sit flush at the end of the rails. You see how there's like this little, uh, like angle here, there's a gap here and they put those cells there, but they just barely fit. (laughs) They just, and saying that they just barely fit also feels a little like, um, it's a generous term. (laughs) It was significant effort for us to get those batteries. in. It took about four or five hours for us to get the batteries in, but we did get them in. Yes, we and the board in. did work after that, <laughs> and it continues to work. Yes. Now it's worth mentioning another beautiful thing about the CBCSO is it has a built-in battery management system. So, what is a BMS? What is a battery management system? Well, as Ren pointed out here, you don't have one battery. The battery is actually like twenty batteries in our cases. Sure. Forty, technically. Forty. <laughs> so, what happens when one battery in one individual cell is a little bit imbalanced versus the other cells and is charged at a different rate? 
Well, you don't really have any way to address that problem unless you have a battery management system. Sure. Or, for example, what happens if the thing overheats? What happens if the current draw is going too fast? You need to like cut it off. What happens if it gets too low? So there's all these things you have around just the raw batteries to protect them, to modulate them, to let you charge them safely, to let you dis discharge them safely. And that's all mm -hmm. involved in your battery management system. It is possible to put a battery in your VESC without a BMS and just ride it. Mm -hmm. It is completely possible. But at some point, you're going to have to balance the cells in that battery. So having a BMS is great. Now, if you're to use a stock battery, you can also use the stock future motion battery management system. And you can still use that with your VESC. There's instructions online. Figure out how you do that. You basically just have to connect a certain wire or solder a certain wire, and then you can read the info. And if it's one of the newer models, you technically need to add a little chip in line there. Once again, it sounds complicated. It's really not. It's just taking one wire, soldering it to the chip, taking another wire, soldering it to the chip. It's, I've done it. Yeah. It's, I did it's it very on one of my old BMSs yeah. because Future Motion's newer XRs two years ago uh, started coming out with BMSs that were tied to the controller. This is part of what makes it very frustrating for people like me because of the whole, you know, people talk about the right to repair stuff with future motion is because they pull stuff like that, where it's like, sure. my battery's dead, but I can't change it out because the, the battery management system, which is there to protect the battery, will literally make it incompatible with any other controller except the one that came with it mm. from the factory. Mm. And so people eventually figured out how to bypass the checks that they put in place. And so you solder in this chip and yeah, whatever. Yep. That's how you do it. Um, that's if you want to use the future motion battery. But long story short, having a battery with a built-in BMS is a godsend, and it's a great way to go. Unfortunately, the CBCSO is not available. However, IndieSpeedControl.com, they make a VESC battery. Ooh. It's a 20-cell battery, Ooh. 84 volts, has a BMS built into it. And it does not fit the stock enclosure. It does not enclosure. fit the stock enclosure. You know what? That's fine. <laughs> because... Frankly, neither did the CPCSO. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one from Indie Speed Control or Indie Speed was it Indie so, Speed? Okay. Uh, yeah, Indie Speed Control. There's this fits the torque box. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just another quick shout out to Chai Battery Systems. So yes, I love this company. For the record, they have the torque pack, but it's sold out. Hopefully, it comes back in stock. Um. Yeah. So they they the CBCS. Sorry, the CBXR. I think God, so many freaking acronyms. They also have what's called the board bank, which is essentially mm -hmm. just a battery pack and a little mm -hmm. enclosure with a wire sticking out of it. So when your one wheel gets slow and you're not near a wall outlet, you take this out of your backpack, plug it in. It's incredible. I miss using it. I love it, <laughs> but I don't, ha I don't ride XRs anymore, so I can't use it. Uh, and you cannot use one on a GT either because of the proprietary plug that they use sure, has a special sure little computer chip inside the plug that communicates with a special signal to the controller and if you're not getting that exact signal you can't charge the board on a gt i'm getting okay so chai battery systems uh they make these batteries and i think they've always been pretty good quality but the cbcso came out and people started having quality control issues mm -hmm. to the point that chai batteries they they delisted the product from their page like you mm. cannot buy one right now it's sure. not that it's sold out they literally discontinued it mm. yeah but once again chai chai i know i know suron electric dirt bikes are sick and it is awesome that you guys are making batteries for them please please us vesk boys we need a battery solution for our one wheels granted there's other options you can ask people on facebook to build a battery for you you know there's this indiespeedcontrol.com guy that you know i just call up here who knows if their batteries are cool i hope they are um because i'm talking about them here on the podcast but <laughs> at the end of the day 
Chai Battery Systems has been our go-to for years. Sure. I definitely trust them. I think trying to pack 84 volts, 20 cells into a one wheel, a standard like XR enclosure is just too much. Yeah. Um, dropping it down to 19 or 18 cells. I think like 18 that. would be the sweet spot because that would allow you to get rid of those bunny ears. Yep. And 18S is the same voltage as the GT. Yep. Mm. And then they also like they have the torque torque box from Badger Wheel. And theoretically, Chai Battery Systems makes a battery specifically for the torque box. It is sold out right now. I don't know if it's coming back, but once again, Chai, even if it's just for the torque box, you were just working together, you work with somebody else, please, please, please help us find a solution for one wheel, uh, sorry, VESC batteries. But in the meantime, do not be discouraged if you're trying to build a VESC. Check out these other services. Go to the Facebook group. You can find options like they're out there. Um, at the end of the day, though, you really want to try to find a battery with a built-in BMS. You're going to need a cable to run from that battery to your controller on the other end of your VESC. I don't know. I consider stuff like cables and connectors and all that stuff to be trivial. Well, there's oh, on this, on this one cable. one of them isn't communicating properly. <laughs> well, not, and I, then, I mean, yeah. trivial in the sense that, like, you can get them. Yes. Sure. Well, Maker's PEV has the one cable you're looking for. It is a battery cable. That's all you need. Turns out you only need one cable. It's the cable that goes from the battery to the controller because the motor comes with its own cable. Sure, <laughs> so sure, that's sure. it. Turns out I only need to talk about one cable. Maker's PEV offers it. But yes, so we've talked about the brain. You can build the brain. Talked about the battery. I'll throw in an option where you can buy a battery. You can use a stock battery from an XR. Um, you could probably even use a CBXR. You're going to need to find a battery management system. But there are solutions out there. Also, it, you do not have to have a BMS in your board. It is there to protect you. You are running a risk without it. But the we talk about like the cells balancing. Good batteries, they don't just go out of balance. It's one of those things. Batteries start going out of balance when you do a lot of uh, repeated charges. So like. Mm -hmm. A full cycle is when, like, they start off at full battery and they drain down to zero and then they come back up. This is never a problem on our phones and laptops because there's only one cell. It's just one battery cell mm -hmm. and that's it. But when you have a lot of cells working together, when they, they have different internal resistances and so their charge rate is inherently going to be slightly different. And so charging up to full and then discharging back down, each cell's rate of discharge and charging is going to be slightly different so that... It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of cycles, 100 cycles to 300 cycles, which is a lot of charges. They'll start being really out of balance. And the point of a battery management system is that it charges it up to full and then it slowly discharges each of the cells down until they all match up. And then it charges everything back up to full mm. again. Mm -hmm. That is a very important thing. And that's been a problem on one wheel XRs in the past. Like, oh, my board is dying at like 20 or 30 percent. It's because one of the cells is weaker. And when that one hits the bottom, it doesn't matter what the charge of all the other battery cells are. Mm -hmm. Your board is dead. Yeah, Done. So, Out of battery. So every cell, every battery cell, 4.2 volts on a cell is full and 3.2 volts is basically empty. Sure. Getting down below 3.2 volts into 3.1, 3.0 volts per cell. And they start to dip pretty quick as you get down there you can start to damage the battery. Yeah. So that's why you have an empty point on batteries because that's the point where you're not damaging the battery yet. So as you are using your board and you're looking at your battery, because you're going to have raw control over everything, you want to make sure you're looking at your battery cells and making sure they're not dipping below 3.2 volts as you ride. Yeah. Now, again, <clears throat> uh, the controller can do that for you instead of a battery management system it's just not doing it on an individual cell basis that would only protect you from overcharging and over discharging mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. if you add up the voltage of all of the cells that's the total voltage of the battery pack and the controller sees that voltage and so once it gets down to 
3.2 times 15 or times 20 or however many cells you have in your pack. Once it hits that mark, the controller is like, okay, your battery is now at like 0%. We're going to safely and slowly encourage you to get off the board yep, <laughs> by sure. slowly changing like the, the, the default angle. angle to be tail down as opposed to just completely shutting off on you. Sure, sure. So and that protects the battery. So an easy way to measure your battery if you don't have access to anything or you just have the basic voltage is you take the number of cells. Let's say in this case, Ren and I have batteries with 20 cells in them. Well, 20 cells times 4.2, is 4.2 volts for each cell at full, equals 84, 84 volts. There you go. So when your board's at 84, you're basically full. So how about 3.2? Well, 3.2 volts per cell times 20 is 64 volts. So as we're riding along, I can look at my phone, and granted, it's not perfect because voltage does change depending on how much you're pulling from the battery. Yeah. Sure. But if I'm sitting at 74 volts... I'm about halfway gone with my battery. Sure. Not exact, but close enough, right? So that's how you generally use voltage to measure your capacity. And when you're doing a DIY project like this, you're probably going to be using voltage to measure, measure your capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like, it, if you're going to get into this, like reading voltages is something you're going to have to learn. Yeah. Like understanding, oh, okay, at this voltage, I'm at around 70% battery. Oh, at this voltage, I'm like, around 30% battery. There, there are gauges that kind of show you, but... And, and some guides online I've used yeah. uh, in the past when I had a CBXR to uh, yep. uh, XR. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you got to source a battery solution and it needs to have a BMS. Hopefully Chai hears our pleas. But in the meantime, there's other options, other solutions. Once again, head over to PEV.DEV or the Facebook VESC Builders Group, uh, One Wheel VESC Builders Group, and ask for solutions there if you can't find any. I think um, most people watching this, if they're going to be getting into it, will be using their stock XR battery pack, and that's totally fine. Yep, 100% totally, totally fine. Yeah. We You're going to get amazing torque out of it. We were riding the other night with uh, Brendan uh, uh, Floaty, uh, <laughs> as he's called, Floaty McFly. He won Race to the Rail in 2020. He's so been a friend of mine champion. for years. Uh, world champion one-wheel racer. Also, yeah. just, a, just a stand-up guy. Just yeah. a stand-up guy. Chill dude, yeah. And yeah, so he was on his Vesk and keeping up with us on a stock XR battery pack. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, granted, he runs out of battery much faster than we do, mm -hmm. but he's hitting the same drops. He's hitting yeah, the same yeah. climbs. Yeah. And having no trouble uh, uh, keeping, well, leading the pack. Yeah, no trouble. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Leading the pack sometimes. <laughs> so all of you out there with XRs who are thinking about vesking them, you will see a performance increase even with the same battery you already have. You know, we, we haven't mentioned the, the one downside or the draw. There's a drawback here that uh, uh, is pretty considerable to to me. Uh, where did your lights go? You oh know? my god, you're oh, right. <laughs> I was out there on those uh, buttery trails, and you know, ton of light coming off of my board. But then I would look <laughs> back at just darkness, uh, headlamps, and flashlights, looking like a, bill, uh, yeah, a bunch yeah, of buildings. This is with where I again remind everyone that this is so early days for the open source like one wheel movement. You know, like it's been two years. All of the really exciting stuff has been this year. But even then, it's like there's only a small handful of people. Like I literally met the dude who designed the board for the VESC and the guy who wrote the code for the VESC at Float Life Fest this year. It's like two people. <laughs> Granted, there are a bunch of like a small handful of other people contributing to the project, primarily Surf Dotto. Uh, and yeah, it's not many people working on this and so they haven't been able to get around to the lights yet so the <laughs> small thing right yeah if you want to have lights you have to buy an extra component that can talk to the board and power it and all that stuff and then you get the leds in there and so like if you look careful i don't know if you can see this on the yeah about right here so there is 
a, a little panel where the lights go, about right here. There are no lights here. That's just a plastic wall. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so needless to say, at this point in the tutorial, we've talked about building the brain and where you can go to build the brain and the things you can use to watch and how to do it. We've talked about the battery, ways you can source a battery. Remember, you're using your stock battery. The positive and negative wires are flipped. The red wire is the negative. The black wire is the positive on the future motion battery. So when you plug that into your vest brain, you'll need to have a little adapter that's going to flip it over again. And there's nothing preventing you from just plugging it in and killing your vest. Actually, I'm pretty sure the vest won't die. Really? Sure okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have a pretty solid built-in uh, current protection now mm. on the vests. Mm. But regardless, it's like, it's super dangerous. If, yeah, if you're to reverse the polarity wanna, yeah. on a plug for a battery and plug it into anything, it would instantly fry whatever it is you plug it into yep. and potentially short-circuit your own battery and cause and it, it cause to explode. Yeah. yeah, sure. So don't do that. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> if you're using a stock battery, it's flipped. Just follow instructions, read everything twice. <laughs> um, okay, so now you have your battery and you have your brain. Simple enough. It's in a, a box, whether it's the torque pack or you're using a standard xr box screw it to your rails all right you got your rails you got your battery on the back you got your brain on the front grab your motor okay where do you get a motor from as of this point there's only two options either an xr motor the hypercore which there's a lot of hypercore motors floating there's around. a lot yeah. you can probably you find can, you can source one without too much effort yep. it's not going to be cheap i mean you're probably looking at like 300 dollars or more for a motor yep probably four or five hundred. yeah actually probably more like four or five but you can get a Superflex motor from Fungineers, the same people that make the Thunder Rails, for about 350 bucks. Maybe well, that was how much we got it for in the first I, batch. I looked at the, the price on the side. I think it's still sub- It's going to stay that, that price? I don't know, but it's still mm -hmm. sub 400 bucks as of now. Either way, that is a, is a motor that's technically more powerful and faster than the uh, Hypercore motor. That said, the Hypercore motor is exceptional. It it's is great. Wonderful yeah, motor. Sure. Yep. So you are going to be fine with the hypercore motor. Until whatever they did to the GT. <laughs> the motor on the GT is, in my opinion, a downgrade from the XR. Mm. Everything else about the G GT is incredible, but the motor, which is weird because the motor is kind of technically the same motor as the XR. Mm -hmm. The stator is the same, but the hub, which is the thing that actually spins and has the tire on it, basically has a lining of magnets surrounding it. And those magnets interact with the copper coils of the stator. You know, uh, you have like the electricity going into the stator that creates these uh, electrical currents that create magnetism that pushes on the magnets of the hub in a very, very precise, synchronized way that causes it to spin. Now, those magnets are like a few, like maybe three or four Newton meters more powerful on the GT than the XR, but they're also not held in as well. And mm. as a result of that, maybe as a result of that, don't quote me on that the heat transfer of the heat generated in those magnets isn't able to get out as well. And so you end up with a lot of efficiency losses on the GT mm. motor on top of the whole, in my opinion, a, a debacle between the axle block and the rail. There's a heat pattern. issue. The There's a heating yeah. issue for yeah. sure. On the, GT. Like, the GT is not able to get rid of heat and it overheats. It's very frustrating for me. <laughs> we had an interesting uh, situation on top of a mountain where Ren's board was almost boiling. It was almost 200 degrees. Yeah. And making this weird sound and we're like uh-oh we're on top of a mountain and there's no way to get down because ren's gt is dead and he's, he's ren's lifting it up off the ground he's like put his fingers on the pad and he's tilting it forwards and it's going Ugh! it made the world's most awful grinding sound <laughs> and i threw out the idea make it go backwards maybe that'll fix it and it did <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what happened there i don't know what happened like it, i 
near i honestly the only thing so this is a hypothesis i i it's pure speculation i think what happened because it did get hotter than it should have been on for it, it should have turned off by that point i saw it at like 187 degrees fahrenheit i wish i got a sc- uh, screen cap i didn't and at um, what point are we like cooking the board what's so a healthy I, so I thought like the what happens off? when it gets too hot so when when the motor gets too hot the magnets which are just permanent magnets like the ones you stick to your fridge they demagnetize mm-hmm. and they lose their ability to react to the stator pushing out making it move they become dumb chunks of metal yeah and and then that creates a, a compounding problem where the circuitry of the board is expecting a certain response from the magnets and when it's not getting that response it it thinks it's in a certain orientation and it's not and you end up with like i said a compounding effect of it just not working uh that temperature at which magnets demagnetize is around 210 degrees mm. uh, Fahrenheit, right? Something like that. Something around. It's around that point. Either way, you were tickling it. I was tickling <laughs> it for sure. And so what I think happened is that I think the glue became dislodged because the GT magnets, again, are only glued on the tips, not along the entire length of the magnet like they mm. are in the XR. Mm-hmm. And so they're not held in as well. And I thought maybe it had just slightly come out from the thing and was now grinding along the stator oh, wow. uh, sure. as it's spinning around and when i reversed it it just went back in somehow and re- i don't know i don't know i don't know i'm fairly certain i didn't have something stuck in the bumper or the foot pad you know how sometimes you get like a leaf no, stuck you didn't in have there. anything stuck remember you tried to ride it and it was constantly giving you warning beeps yeah it was super bizarre needless super to say bizarre. i'm a technological savant and a whisperer of computers <laughs> i'd like to remind everybody that when we filmed Son of a Dungeon, the computer wouldn't turn on. And I went, turn it sideways. And I fixed it. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to dumb suggestions that fix things. You... You're like the fonds with a, a jukebox. You just know. <laughs> yep. Uh, let me hit it right there. Boom. Problem gone. <laughs> so when it comes to, to bring this back to the vest for a second, you will need to manage your own heat on the vest. It's not going to overheat as quick as the GT, but it won't also necessarily tell you when you're getting too hot. You'll have to be aware of what, just like, you know, if you're making a race car, you'll have to be aware of when are you pushing it too far. And what what's the range? Yeah. What, what? Basically, once you start popping, just like a CPU, once you start popping 70 degrees Celsius, you should probably get off the board. Sure. You know, realistically, it, yeah. once you start popping 60, chill out. If you're starting to pop 70, stop riding. Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, the thermal management is better with these rails because the rails essentially act as a heat sink. All mm-hmm. the mo- all the heat from the motor goes out through the axle block. It's essentially a giant, like, one-inch thick aluminum rod going but, straight but we have two through the center. That heat. We have two heat sources we have to worry about in the vest. Oh, I mean, yes. Well, okay, yes, uh, you're talking about the controller. The MOSFETs inside the controller where all of the current actually pumps through, those mm-hmm. things also get hot. Yeah. And so, yeah, you keep track of the heat of your motor and the heat of your MOSFET. Depends on what app you're using. If you're using the the float wheel app. Well, okay. Actually, let's return to our little journey here. Yeah. <laughs> We've got our brain screwed to our rails. We've got our battery in the box screwed to our rails. We've got a motor. There's not much you can do. You either get a hypercore motor, or you get a super a super flux motor, and you screw it to your rails and sure. you plug it in. Like that's all you do. You screw it to your rails and you plug it in. Sure. Okay. Now the last thing you need is your foot pads. You screw the one on the battery on top of the battery. Just screw onto the rails. Done. Now, the one in the front is going to be one with the switch. There's a plug. You plug it into the brain box, and you screw it onto the rails. It's that simple. Oh, bumpers too. Guess what? You screw them onto the rails. Now you're done. Your one wheel, your, sorry, your vesk. Your vesk has been built. But physically, next, it's done. Physically, physically, it's done. 
So the next step is software. So there's a lot of in-depth tutorials on this, but I'm going to help get, give people an overview here. So the first thing that you're going to end up doing is you're going to need to calibrate it. So you're going to get your VESC app. You can run it on your phone. It's called VESC Tool. VESC Tool. Yep. And it's a super janky app. <laughs> is it through test flight or it's... No, uh, it's, it's, it's an app available. you can get. Okay. It's just the iOS version of it sure. sucks. Fix it, please. You fix it. It's open I know. source. I know. <laughs> I'm just being salty. Hey, listen, my ve the vest tool disconnects from my one wheel every like five or ten seconds, so it's very difficult for me to change settings. Yeah. So, mm. hey, he heads up, everybody. If you're on an iPhone, because of the iOS and Apple, it disconnects from the Bluetooth consistently and then reconnects instantly on the vest tool. So just be aware of that you're going to be working and it's going to pop out and pop back in and pop out and pop back in. That's how it is. You're just going to have to live with it. And it's fine. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating. It's not that big of a deal. On Android, that doesn't happen. And if you use a laptop, that doesn't happen. Hmm. Um, now, it's worth mentioning, though, if you try to use a Windows laptop to connect the Bluetooth in your brain, uh, the, the VESC on your board, that's also not going to work. If you want to connect to your VESC from a Windows-based laptop, when you connect to it, first you connect to the VESC using your phone's Bluetooth. And there's a little box that you check at the bottom which is, uh, I think it's like TCP link or something like that, or port forwarding, you check that box. And then on your computer, you'll go to your Wi-Fi that the phone is on. <clears throat> and you'll type in the, the IP address of your phone, and then you can connect to your best okay. computer. It's, yeah, it's, it's convoluted. It's a little complicated, but it's not that complicated, right? But we did all of our stuff with this. the phone. Yeah, we did all of our stuff with the phone. So you don't need to use a computer, um, unless you're updating the firmware. Or iPhone. Yeah. If you have an Android phone, you can update the firmware from your phone. But on iOS, you can't. Um, anyways, so... You're going to basically turn on your VESC. You're going to not have it on the ground <laughs> so the wheel can spin freely. So, like, put put it on, like, you know, a it chair. It has to be level. Yeah, it has to be level. Put it, like, you know, so the tail and the front are, like, on a, two chairs. You're like a like milk that. crate. Sure. Yep. Sure. I, something or it's ideally the same height on each side. And you put it on flat ground. And you're going to run a motor calibration. And it's going to see how much current it takes to spin the motor and what the resistance is and that kind of stuff. The next thing you're going to do is there's a little IMU, an inertial motion sensing unit in the vest inertial measurements inertial measurement unit, unit. inertial measure <laughs> inertial measurement unit Sorry. inertial measurement unit and that's going to basically that's the thing that tells the one wheel which direction it's facing okay. is it tilted etc that needs to be calibrated as well so that it's pointing the correct direction cuz if you mount the vest upside down onto the lid well the IMU is flipped upside down likewise when you plug in your motor it doesn't know which way the motor's spinning yet right, right. so it's just going to spin the motor and hope that it's the right way and you're going to tell it Yes, that's the right way, or no, reverse the motor, right? So there's a couple steps here. You're going to make sure your IMU is calibrated and it's flat and it's oriented correctly. So if your IMU has been mounted upside down, you're going to then rotate, you know, you're going to offset it by 180 degrees rotation to flip it back over, right? Likewise, you have to have the motor calibrated to understand how much current it's going to draw from the system. There's guides for all this stuff. It's really not that complicated. The overview of all you're trying to do is trying to make sure the IMU is aligning itself correctly with the one wheel so that it's flat and straight when the one wheel is flat and straight. You're trying to make sure that the VESC, the electronic speed controller, knows how to communicate with the motor and how much energy it needs to communicate with the motor. And you basically run a calibration for one thing, you run a calibration for the other thing, you dial on some offsets if you need to, call it a day, you're basically good to go. After that, you have to tell it what's the current level to turn on and off for the foot pads, which mm -hmm. is about three volts. Well, um, uh, not the current, but like uh, you're talking about the, the sensor the fault like, state. Yeah. No, no. When you not the fault state, the yeah. Yeah. 
the it's thing, three volts. It's when you when you when you step it's on just not current. <laughs> when you sorry, not current voltage. When you step on the sensors on the front foot pad, there's two there's a sensor on each side. Mm-hmm. They put out voltage when they're under tension, True. and it's like three point two volts. So True. you're going to go into the app and say, if you get more than three volts, consider somebody on the sensor. <clears throat> At that point, you're into tweaking your one wheel. Um, you're into putting in the settings. Now, yeah. what are the mains? No, there's a bunch of settings, like literally a hundred different settings, yeah. and that's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. But you don't need to mess with most of them. Correct. In fact, you're gonna follow a guide to do your initial setups with how much current you use, etc. Just follow a guide. If you get questions, post questions on PEV.dev or the Facebook group, right? Straightforward. I think there's also a Discord, but I never go there. <laughs> um, all you're really going to mess with at the end of the day is your P value, your I value, and your D value for balance. And then the Mahoney KP, <laughs> which is when we talk about our vests, it so- makes it sound super cool. It's like... Yeah, you know, I set my p-value to like 26.5, but once I dropped Mahoney down to like 1.9, it gave me a real stiff ride, which is what I was looking for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I, prefer, I prefer my rides a little bit less stiff, so I'll drop my p-value down to like, say, like 22 and maybe bump the, K, the Mahoney KP up to like 2.0, maybe 2.1. Yeah. So is Mahoney a... F- I'm no. not exactly sure. I think it's a name. It's a person. It's a person. Okay. It's yeah. someone's name, and it's... and they live inside of every. Uh, uh, I think it's a mathematician that invented this like filter for. It's, okay. It's a ty- yeah. yeah. It's a type of processing motor okay, control. So, so what are we saying here? Basically, when it comes to a self balancing device, it's going to use a PID loop to balance. Now, a PID loop is a it's everything from running the air conditioning in your house, the balance on your one wheel, to like you know the charge of a battery, the water going into your your garden with a sensing like water system. All it is, is you're saying, Hey, I want to be flat. Okay. I want the board to be flat. And when it stops being, when like, when you start tilting it, you're, you're introducing an error, right? I want it to be at zero. Now it's at negative one or it's at negative two or it's at negative three. And so the P value is going to say, how big is that error? And I'm going to give the same proportional amount back into the motor to fix that. Sure. Or, you know, if it was, your air conditioning it would turn on your air conditioning by a lot or a little you know the p-value is going to influence that right so the p-value is basically going to be how hard is your board going to fight to stay level as you as you ride and so if you want a stiffer ride you're going to raise that p-value up now the i value is basically error over time so let's say you're on your board and you tilt it just a, a scotch, right? You're at like a scotch. A scotch. You're at negative 0.05. Instead of negative one, you're at negative 0.05 degrees of tilt. But you're like, oh, I'm at negative 0.05 degrees of tilt. I want to be flat. I don't want to be at negative 0.05 degrees. But if you're relying on the p value, it's only giving you negative 0.05 degrees worth of power. So sure. it's not enough to bring it back. So what the i value does, it's going to add up that little bit of error over time. So like every tick, every refresh rate, that's still there, it adds and adds and adds and adds until that number starts to become bigger. And that number is the amount of power coming back in. And then eventually it's going to push it back up. Okay. Okay. And then finally, the D value is dampening. It's going to kind of like try kind to of. slow everything down. And that's actually obsolete now. Hmm. So it's just the P and I value. <laughs> um, Technically, the D stands for derivative, yeah. not damping. But in essence, in practice, it's, it's just damping the... Yeah. It's 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 the also response. not obsolete if you go into like an older version of Vesk. Basically, set it to like five hundred <laughs> or zero, you'll be fine. Um, so like I ride with the P value of twenty six, I ride with an I value of point one five, and I ride with the D value of five hundred. Ren, 
I think. Well, let me just double check. Oh, come on! You just don't know off the top of your head. Oh, I. I <laughs> you told, and you I, called I, yourself an enthusiast. Red P value it. is I think twenty four. Is I value is point two five. You imposter. <laughs> um, I think this means I get your vest. <laughs> I. And then there's this other value called the Mahoney. Real filter. quick. Okay, I'm at twenty one point eight for my P value. My I is point two five. Told you. And my D is fifteen hundred. Yep. Um. And I, I keep going back and forth between adjusting my I value to like zero point zero five and point like four five in that range. And it does change how it responds to like really consistently pressing it forward. And it, it's weird. I haven't decided what I like, but I have settled on 21.8 for my P value and my Mahoney KP of something. But so, what is it? So the Mahoney value, right? So this is this weird thing. It's often another menu. And Hannes was like kind of the first one to really delve into it. And it's basically, so I'm not a mathematician. I've read the formula. I tried to walk through it. I'm probably going to get it wrong. Please correct me in the comments if I get it wrong. But basically, the Mahoney is a filter that's basically going to estimate a position and then measure it based off an actual position. And my understanding okay. of what happens when you turn this up, my understanding of what happens is the Mahoney filter is estimating your position off of the inertia sensors in the in the uh, VESC rather than the gyroscope. So it measures off the inertia sensors and then it uses the gyroscopes to double check if it was right or wrong. And then, it, you know, kind of that's your error rate between the two. Um, and what it feels like it does is, you know, when you're on your one wheel and your one wheel is flat, it's, it only knows it's flat because it's measuring it versus like gravity, right? And when you're accelerating, you know, your up and down vector of like gravity changes a little bit, you know, because you're adding some some push forwards or some push backwards if you're accelerating or decelerating. And so by turning up that Mahoney value, you're letting it offset like that up vector to kind of match what your inertia is giving it. OK, so rather sure. than like decelerating and the board just stays flat and it feels kind of weird, like if like lean back weird because the board stays flat because technically up is still just up. It's going to be like, well, up was up. But based on our inertia movement, based on the fact that you're decelerating, what feels like up to you is actually just tilted back a little bit. Sure. And then it's going to tilt the board back a little bit. So when you raise the Mahoney value, what's going to happen is when you accelerate, the board's going to lean forward. When you decelerate, the board's going to gently lean back. And it's going to be this nice, gentle, almost like waterbed style feeling. And when you're doing like intense trail riding and you want the board to be a little stiffer and like hold its flat point more, you're going to lower the, K the Mahoney KP value. And likewise, you raise it if you want a really flowy, surfy, carvy kind of feel. Okay. There are other things to change in the app beyond that. They're actually pretty self-explanatory. Like, there's a lot of, like, tune modifications. Yeah, the, yeah, the tune modifiers are what I have the most fun changing. Yep. So, And I don't think we should actually get into those right now. That's fine. Uh, because, but, like, but like as, a, as a general sort of thing, nose tilt nose is tilt, yep. really what most of the tone, uh, tune modifiers do, uh, depending on various uh, situations. Like, are you accelerating really hard? Are you pulling a lot of current? Torque tilt is something that will lift the nose as you draw more and more current. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm able to climb those crazy steep hills because the battery and motor are capable of doing it. But normally the, the nose, the would, nose would just ground. hit the, the ground and then you can't go any further. <laughs> sure. So there's a way to basically tell it like as it detects more current being pulled, make the assumption that you're going up a hill, therefore lift the nose. Mm -hmm. and just as like a default, like lifting it as you go up more and more. Yeah, you can also have to do that based on your speed. And then you can also how much program you're turning. your faults. So it's like, before, once the once you sense I'm below say 66 volts on my battery, just 
raise the board up and write it Captain Morgan style, aka pushback, right? Sure. Or if it's at a certain temperature, or if this, you know, you, there's a whole lot of things at a certain speed, you can raise the board up. Um, so there's all these things in place that you can tune to have it kind of like talk to you, to have it ride different. But when you're starting out, don't have any of that on. I mean, I have your fault sensors like turned on and stuff, but like just PID value. Yeah, boost. I don't even use yeah. boost at just, all. I I turn torque tilt on a little bit for normal riding, and I'll like crank it when I really need yeah. to like climb something. I do like turn tilt. I love turn tilt, which is so, something that I really wish Feature Motion incorporated more in the GT. What we're touching on here is one of the beauties of Vesk, and that is the tweaking. Now, some people are like, I don't want to tweak all the time, and I'm gonna put this out there. I haven't touched my board settings for two weeks. Okay. I like my settings and I haven't had to tweak and I've gone on multiple rides in different environments. and I love how it's riding. Cause yeah, a stock GT usually has like maybe f- there are five built in modes and then yeah. custom shaping that will happen someday at someday. some point. <laughs> and those uh, don't give you, you know, it's like a, a it's a one button push to this solution. They're presets. Whereas, yes. And a preset is just a selection of settings in a specific way. And you hit a preset, it'll change all of those settings at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, there is no preset functionality with VESC. That's easy. There is technically, I think it's called Meter, M-E-T-R, uh, but it's like a $50 module, like a Bluetooth module, even though it already has Bluetooth, that you got to buy and get its own app for it. <laughs> and that allows you to save profiles of all of your different settings oh, onto wow. that chip. So then you can like change it out. One of the cool settings that VESC allows that Future Motion just doesn't do is the ability to allow it to balance vertically, mm-hmm. which is, it, you look at it and you're like, this is impossible. This shouldn't be possible at all. And you're like, yeah, but like, it's just simple physics. <laughs> it works. Cool party trick. Um, cool right party now, trick. I can't just turn that on because I only have my one setting and a backup of that one setting. So what I had for a while, anytime I I turn on the vertical thing, I back up the settings that allow it to ride like a one wheel. And then I will install the 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 XML file from a laptop to make it stand vertically. And it's like, great, cool party trick. I can't ride it like this, though, because you literally tell the IMU that it is nine to balance when it's 90 degrees offset. So you're literally changing its up position, essentially, by 90 degrees. So it does not function at all as a regular one wheel when you do that. And sure. I have to like, it's, it's a one way trip. I can restore the settings, but I can't unrestore the settings. Yep. Yeah. So there's lots to play with. There's lots to tinker with and tweak, but you will be able to dial in a ride that's exactly what you want, much more so than you can with a future motion one wheel. But on the flip side, if you don't want to tinker at all, obviously this isn't the way route you should go. Sure. But that said... Like, I don't necessarily like to tinker a lot. I like to tinker to get my stuff dialed in where mm-hmm. I want it. And then I want it to be locked in forever where it is. Like, when I set up my drum set, I spend a lot of time getting everything in the right spot. And I put down tape on the carpet. And it's like, nobody moved my stuff. Sure. Right? Sure. And to be fair, the Vesk is at the point now where I believe you can get there. Where once you dial in your settings, you can just not touch it and enjoy your wheel. You don't have to sit there and tweak it on every single ride. But I do like <clears> being <throat> able to switch, like... On the, on the XR or the, or the GT, you have response aggressiveness yeah. profiles, essentially. And those are the presets that you get. Like on the GT, you have flow, which I love. And you also have highline and then apex. Basically, it's, it's a spectrum of aggression. How hard does the one wheel try to get underneath you? Are uh, you a doom loading screen or are you a doom like boss battle, right? Um, 
I was I was trying to make a loading screen. A I didn't really see. game reference. No, I got the reference. I just don't get the loading screen. Anyway, flow allows you to fall a little bit before it tries to get underneath you. Same thing as like mission on the XR uh, versus delirium, which is like Apex on the GT. Ish, ish, ish. Sure. Don't correct me on this. I can't, I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so you know, uh, a more looser board with less aggression will actually like kind of let you lean forward and back, and that's what uh people have called like that floating effect it feels like you're floating it's really carving but when you get more aggressive it tries harder to keep the board level delirium apex they basically don't let the board tilt at all when you lean forward and accelerate the board is still more or less level and that's what the aggression comes from so when you have it really aggressive it also consumes way more energy too so your battery doesn't last as long so if you're running low on battery on an xr switch to mission you're on a gt switch it to flow and you'll be able to squeeze out a little bit more range Yep. So you get into the software point at this point, you know, you're using your phone to modify things. And oh, yeah. there's Sorry. a million different guides, a million different points of view on it. But at the end of the day, you get to just tweak and it's going to ride okay just with basic settings. You get to mess with it from there. And believe it or not, that's it. That's building a vest. I know it's like a two hour long podcast, but at the end of the day, it's build a brain. It's pretty straightforward. Get a battery, a little less straightforward, but hopefully more straightforward in the future. Put it into a frame. Pretty straightforward. Get your motor calibrated. That part's pretty straightforward. Get your IMU calibrated. A little less straightforward. <laughs> but follow a guide. Watch a video online. Um, once again, Surf Dotto's YouTube channel. Amazing things there. Uh, and then after that, you're just putting in settings to make it ride how you want it to ride. And that's basically it. Total build time. Uh, oh, from, from the point that you <clears throat> had to deconstruct an XR to it is now here and functional. Two days. Uh, it took uh, us two days to get it up and running, but the yep. first day was entirely for getting battery the box. battery going. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You could so theoretically do it. and just yeah. filing and yeah, okay. If you have all the parts on hand, you could theoretically do it in one day. But I'm going to say two days. Okay. Yeah, it's really not that bad. It's very approachable. Um, it's a matter of like you know having an overview, like what this podcast will give, and then knowing to look at the exact guides when they pop up, and then asking for help when you need it. Sure. Um. There's incredible, incredibly helpful people out there. This is an open source thing, right? So the open source movement, if something's wrong and it's broken, don't complain about it because nobody's getting paid to fix it. You have to fix it. Or yeah, you have fix to- the app. <laughs> <laughs> you have to fix it. If you don't like it, fix it. And if you can't fix it, then Wait. help somebody else yeah. fix it. Yeah. You know, and complaining to them isn't helping them, right? Yeah. Trying to provide like specific feedback on what isn't working how you think it should be working and maybe like steps to try to the issue. Yeah. 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 Try to be constructive about it. Yep, I was, I, was yeah. um, <laughs> I want to talk about the Superflex motor again, real quick. This is the yeah. motor that is made by Fungineers. They're the ones who made our thunder rails, which we love the thunder rails. I currently have mine. You notice like the six dots on the side of it. Mm-hmm. You'll have to, scr- I put my one wheel down. You'll have to scrub earlier in the video to see it. There's two axle bolts and it allows you to lower or raise the board. I am working on a really cool, snowboarding halloween costume right now so i have it lifted as high as it'll go that is a tangent the super flex motor part of the struggle of like making a video like this is that you know people can get excited and want to get into this stuff but like you know we makers pv he's making these kits as fast as he can but like the supply isn't quite there the battery like try batteries the batteries are sold out the kits are sold out the motors which is why i'm getting on uh talking about the super flex motor they they did two batches and we're in the first batch and I just texted you this morning that we got our shipping uh 
tracking number for the motors. So we should be getting those in the next week or so. Sick. Very excited Sick. for it. And then there's going to be a whole journey of actually getting that connected to the vest because it's new plugs. You got to <laughs> solder some stuff, get, get various things. My point is that do not be surprised if any of these components are difficult to acquire, but do not lose patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the Superflex motor, uh, he told me uh, when when I bought them that we should be getting them in, in like a couple weeks. That was three months ago. <laughs> I mean, all supply and, lines yeah. right now. Are and we are fucked, in the first so. batch of like 50 <clears throat> motors. Sure. Yep. And then there's another batch of, I think either 50 or hundred motors. And they're just getting through those first. But like, we're talking like, there's not many of these out there right now. Mm. Hopefully eventually there'll be a decent supply. I uh, talking with one of the guys uh, from Oak city over the, uh, at float life fest uh, last month. Uh, they're dreaming of a world where you can walk into a store and just look at all the different components that you want and be able to build your own custom and have help building your own custom uh, vesk in that store. But until like the supply can actually meet that, we can't do that. Another thing is that you cannot actually sell a fully constructed one wheel device because mm-hmm. of the patents that Future Motion holds, and they will enforce them, and they have every right to enforce every them. right. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't have any problem with that. I and so it's like, yeah, that's the only reason the Vesk movement exists is because it's open source, because it's people doing it out of the charitable kindness of their hearts. And when you enter that space, it's a wonderful space. But keep in mind that's that's the space that you enter as well. And ideally, you're bringing that attitude as well. So I think to wrap this up, let's talk about resources again here. PEV.dev is the forum to go for a lot of stuff to talk to the people who are actively building the things that you are going to be putting into your vesk. Uh, the yeah, one there's wheel, like dozens of us there now. <laughs> there's dozens of us. Um, the one wheel, or sorry, the the vesk one wheel builders Facebook group. Um, another great resource. Of course, it's Facebook. I hate Facebook. Also, Facebook groups just kind of like feeds just fall off the page. Yeah. I, I literally do not use Facebook at all anymore. And so a lot of these resources <laughs> are on Facebook. It's very frustrating because it's like I feel like I'm missing out on news that comes yep. out on on various uh, also things. the facebook marketplace is actually quite good for for one wheel products yeah. it's it's actually quite good so yeah. it's worth it's worth checking out this facebook group and especially if you want to talk to or reach out to anybody um you need help building something you need to get a part like i said can't find a battery if you post hey i'm looking i'm asking somebody to build me an 18 cell battery with a bms somebody will probably be like i'll do it like yeah obviously it's gonna cost you some money yeah, sure it ain't gonna be free and you're but, not gonna get yeah. it in two days yeah. but like and it probably won't be cheap but it's there, you know, it's there, it's option. Or even I want to build the battery, I guess. Can anybody help me? Like sure. you'll find resources, right? God, man, I was, so we're not doing the enduro race. We're going no, hold camping on, let me instead. Oh, let me finish. okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pv.dv for the forums, the one wheel, uh, Vesk one wheel builders, Facebook group. There is a discord. I have not been there. I went and looked. I didn't recognize anybody that I know, like in the, Vesk space. Here, I didn't see sure. Dotto or Max or like, so I can't vouch for it. They might um, be on the Fungineers Discord channel. Perhaps. I've seen, I mean, they are on the Fungineers. <laughs> I've seen them there. I've interacted there. Yeah. I haven't really been on the so Vesk. You can check out the Fungineers Discord. Discord, I guess. But start with PV in the Facebook group. <clears throat> um, in regards to your parts, Makers PEV is going to be your holy grail here in America. Uh, in Europe, you're looking at Flow Glider. Um, in fact, Makers yeah. PEV is like symbiotic with flow glider you if you're gonna buy stuff from makers pev you're gonna have to buy stuff from flow glider because they're the ones that sell the lid to all the pieces mm-hmm. and the kit for makers pev 
Of course, you can get the self-assembled brain. Wonderful. But all the cables he also sells need... those parts from FlowGlider on their site too, right? Uh, not the lids. Um, and maybe that's a patent thing to make sure that the pieces are really separate. Uh, uh, sure. That way, yeah. Um, either way, um, everything you need brain-wise, electronics-wise, Maker's PEV, and then it's complemented by FlowGlider. And then, of course, if you're looking for 3D printed enclosures, check out Lit Timber. But obviously, hop on the Facebook group. There's, you know, there's options all over the place. Yeah, other than that, you get a used XR for your pieces. <laughs> it doesn't hurt um, if you can afford it. Do you have one? And that's, and all, ki- that's and kind also, of it. I mean, yeah, just yeah, that's kind of it. Exercise safety, you know, exercise caution. Oh, sorry. Surf Dotto's YouTube channel. Watch all the videos that came out in the past yeah. three months. Just watch them all. Like every single tutorial, how to use the app. It's all there. He does a great job explaining it. Uh, even how to set up the BMS and the CVCSO. Oh my God, his video complaint. <laughs> so a big reason why the, the, the batteries went. We don't know if that's why. We don't, but uh, yeah. The BMS with the, the CVCSO wasn't correctly uh, set up. Mm-hmm. Basically, there it's there to protect the battery from being damaged. Sure. One of those types of damage is overcharging mm-hmm. and it'll shut the battery off or the terminal will literally be disconnected so that you do not overcharge the battery. The problem is that the one wheel when you decelerate. When you decelerate, it's regening. It's it it doesn't have a physical break. It only has regen breaking. And so when your battery is full, you cannot regen, which is why you can't go down a hill when you freshly unplug the one wheel. <laughs> And yep. if you do, it'll start like leaning back on you and eventually shut off and like that. Do what that water bottle just <laughs> dramatically did. Clint killed his one wheel doing that. He that burned was in the V1 cells. back in the day. And yes. yeah, it, it overcharged and something burned out on it. He had to send it in and get fixed. But yep. uh, so the CBCSO had a thing where that, that overcharge just cut off like the emergency freaking eject button was set a little too low. It's set to 85 volts and the board charges to 84 volts. So if you break kind of hard, you cross oh, the threshold wow. line and then yeah. okay. you have to set it up a little bit yeah, higher you set it, it up to like 86 volts okay. and i'm obviously i'm very careful when riding the full wheel too because like yeah sure full charge battery but yeah so back to resources here makers pev for your brain parts um check out the torque pack and the torque box oh yeah badgerwheel.com they, Badger they, they got their start uh basically making waterproofing kits yep for the one oh, flow glider yeah. um for the rest of your parts uh fun wheel or not fun wheel uh Float life for rails and foot pads, pads, bumpers, yep. fenders. All Pretty much are, all of the one wheel accessories. Craft and Ride, uh, craft and ride and will have ride. it too. Yeah, and they have their own products as well that are very good. Foot yeah. pads, they make very good rear foot pads. Float life and craft and ride are for everything non electronic for yep. your wheel. Yep. If you want to customize it or tires. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They're really into the like the sidekicks. I don't, I don't know what the, the names are. Various. Also, I don't think names. we've uh, thrown them out yet, but uh, maybe a good replacement for your lights uh, that you're going to lose uh, upon vesking are shred lights. I love um, shred lights. Yeah. It's my main light I use. Is yeah. they're like I think they're eight hundred and the, the and big homies, beefy light. They're homies and uh, yeah. yeah, make a good product. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then uh, and that's oh, and then finally for batteries, Chai Battery Systems, of course, uh, or JW Batteries, or JW Batteries, um, if they still make batteries. And we're going to have links for all this stuff down in the description below, plus other places you might be able to look for some of these things. And that's pretty much it. That's it. Go out and build some vests. Tell us what you did. Share it with us. 
Share with other people. Yeah, I want to see them build. I want to see them build. If you got I've, tech know-how, please also bring that into the group. If you're somebody that can actually build batteries or wants to work with somebody else, make a standardized battery with BMS and box enclosure that fits in the XR platform and fits like, please, please, you're not only going to make Vesks more accessible for us, you can make them more accessible for everybody. Yeah. So let's all join together. Let's all contribute. And let's make it so that we can build our own open source single wheeled writing well, platform. But here's the thing, though, is that like, <laughs> I mean, yes, but it also opens up so many doors on what a one wheel is. Yeah, somebody you know? built one with like a 24 inch tire. Yeah, <laughs> but like, what I wanna, like, I don't know. I, I have all suddenly I have all these ideas. What would a one wheel look like if instead of the standard length rails, they were twice as long? Like, <laughs> it's probably not good, but you could. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of doing that with my snowboard uh, costume project, but uh, like I was also thinking a one wheeled stool. What if you take the foot pads and just put them on top of each other above the one wheel tire? Oh, wow. And it's a self balancing tire. A little, yeah, sure. Uh, like stool type deal. So like, you see. I mean, kind of, but like. <laughs> kind of. It, it doesn't matter. My point is that like it could be anything. And so like I have all these different ideas for projects that, you know, aren't compatible with the standard blueprint of a one wheel. Yeah, you don't you don't need to use the hypercore motor or the superflex motor either. You can use, use any drone motor that's this big if you want. In fact, the Vesk, which is in the one wheel, I mean, you probably couldn't actually can, use it. Can fly a drone, can power an e-bike, can handle hmm. an electronic skateboard, can build a Segway, can build a hoverboard. The vest can do almost anything that requires electronic speed control, not just one wheels. Oh, yeah. So the Enduro race is November 5th here in L.A., uh, which is probably still before. It's probably still in the future if you're listening to this podcast the day it came out. Um, I was originally going to participate uh, because I wanted to use a vest and basically throw in a 60 mile battery because it's a 50 mile race. Mm. I wanted to be able to have just. A battery that I didn't have to charge because the enduro race is 50 miles. Everyone racing has has to stop and strategically charge that, you know, While decharge all the way. other contestants yeah. chains and whips out ready to go. I'm super intrigued by so the race. I really want to participate. Stopping. Yeah. So I was like, if I don't have to stop to charge, that's a huge leg, leg huge up. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking with like the guys organizing it, and they're like, yeah, we might not allow that. I'm like, well, OK, well, in that case, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of effort for me to because I wanted to basically build an entire extra big battery pack that I could put in my my backpack and have a wire going down to run in parallel with the battery inside the one wheel. So if mm. it unplugs, it doesn't just die on me. Sure. And once again, that's the beauty of the vest. Yeah. You yeah. do all that. So yeah, if you're out there with an XR, an old XR, or a broken XR, or you don't even have an XR, but you want to get into vests, like jump on in, come join us, come join us on the forums, come join us on the Facebook group and start building and enjoy the process. It's super cool. Dude, so. that, the newest firmware update literally was game changing. It literally changed everything. Redden's doing drops off of picnic tables. Yeah. He's riding down cliffs. I'm yep. not joking. He is riding down cliffs. He only made it halfway. Uh, <laughs> he, he ran down the rest of it. But there are certain parts where I was like really, really steep, and I'm able to just ride down it like it was nothing. You Granted, were, I think part of that was because I have my rails lifted, and it gave me extra tail clearance. Yeah, but that's a part of Vesk. Yeah. yeah. Right? The, the yeah. night of the firmware update, you were hitting things without even thinking about them that like are very high level moves 
and there was no like well this is not a vest this might not work which is when i was riding my vest like when we did the steakhouse ride uh-huh it was like i don't know if the vest can handle this it's gonna be squirrely of course it did go off the edge at one point <laughs> yeah uh we managed to get it back even though it didn't have lights on it well dude um, uh when my friends from gravity industries came over uh, i took them on a one-wheel ride yeah. and i had two gts on my vest it was perfect and so i had both of them on the gts and i was riding the vest but anytime i wanted to like show off and do something cool i'd be like hey can i ride that for a moment <laughs> i would get off of the vest and get on the gt to do like this two-foot drop of course because uh, there was no way in hell i was going to yeah. do that on the confidence vest. right the, yeah. the now trust it's yeah easy on a vest it just handles it it's fine and yeah i found myself more invigorated and excited about one wheeling than i've been in in quite a while Same. And, and that's saying something because i am always invigorated and excited <laughs> about one wheeling at it felt all like, times it felt like when i first got a one wheel again wow yeah like i was hitting you up like every night to go oh riding. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yes i hope this podcast was useful for everybody uh come join us in the open source movement like i've got a taste of it from the ai space now and now i'm getting it yeah. from the one wheel space yeah. it's wonderful i love it so yeah come make some vests with come, us come crush some gnar uh, just crush that narnar with us. Yeah. Yes. And I yeah, and just to like as an end note, I want to reiterate don't hate on future motion. <laughs> like don't use this as like, oh, I hope they go yeah, on the ground. Like eh, you're not even making don't a good enough one wheel anymore. It's like I I want us all to live as in a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. yeah. If there's anything I've learned from the Vesk, it's just how nice the GT is. Honestly, yeah, that frankly, has been the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. It gave me a new appreciation for how good the firmware on a on a one wheel is. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen to you too. You're gonna build these wheels and be like, dang, the XR is a beautiful machine the gt it's a beautiful machine these yep. are such nice machines but they're like the macbooks to the pc that you're about to build yourself <laughs> that, yeah yeah because yep. i i want to maintain a relationship with future motion and i was very hesitant about doing this podcast because i worried that this would hinder that we the last podcast we did because i had a, a bunch of things that i had said uh they wanted to address those things before they brought me on to be a uh commentator a commentator for race of the rail and I didn't get to be a commentator because of some of the things I said on this podcast. So I was very concerned. I got to be an uncommentator. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no hard feelings. It was, a, it was a bit of a miscommunications and problems and stuff like that. They're super busy. I No hate on them for any of that. I'm not no hard feelings either. I would love to be able to go on their podcast here soon, too. I just have no weekends free for the next month. So it's been very difficult. I think and we, I guess the fear of mine is that, that podcast. this yeah. podcast we're doing right now might create a thing where i don't get to be on that podcast with them well if you would just stop accusing them of being reptilians for like two seconds <laughs> i can't help could... it jan do you not see their slits for eyes oh i see them bro i see them we just gotta convince the rest of the world yeah so i if i'm hoping to join the one wheel podcast at some point before the end of the year i hope to make it happen we've talked i've talked with them about doing it i hope it happens uh just a matter of finding time to drive up there and doing it. Nice. Sure. And my hope is that by us making this podcast for the VESC, we're spreading more awareness, getting more people into the space, increasing the amount of people contributing to the project, so that in a few months' time, we see a more standardized system, easier access for more people to build them, better parts availability, more people out there crushing NAR. Hey. Like, I would love all that. And hopefully, it takes some of the pressure off of all of us going to Future Motion and be like, please make this wheel for me that I need it. I need it to be like this for me. And now you can be like, well, actually, no, don't worry about it. I'll make it for me. Yeah. You know, you guys keep making the GT. It's a beautiful machine. Never run one wheel before. Go buy a go buy a future motion machine first. Yeah, they're great <laughs> like for the rest of us. It, yeah. I, I, if you have no one wheel experience, it, you're, you're going to have not a great time getting into vests. Yeah, you're going to have no idea what it should ride like. Yeah. 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 Because I, I see people who 
are doing exactly that, and they're like, I'm like, you don't know what it should ride like. Oh, and the I one wheel is the gold standard for what a self-balancing device should ride like. I frankly yeah. think everyone should start on a V1 just to oh, learn, f- like your, <laughs> just to learn your foot placement and foot control. Like, yeah, there's Balance nothing. Control, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. nothing like a V1 that'll teach you that. Because yeah. Cliff still rides around on the V1, oh, yeah. and I went riding with him last Saturday night. Cliff and is so fast in the V1. Yeah, yeah. How is he so fast? He was faster than us on a mountain ride, and we were on XRs, and he's on this V1. <laughs> We also weighs a lot less than us. True. He's a smaller Still. dude. Yeah, he's he's got Which like Which I found is there's a very direct correlation between uh, yeah, mass overall, and how well, yeah. well uh, yeah. Like one of the guys at uh Float Life Fest named Nico is a is a smaller dude, doesn't weigh as much, and he was able to hit thirty three miles an hour on wow. his vest before the recent firmware update. Wow. 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 What? Oh, yeah. speaking of miles an hour, it's worth pointing out too that when the firmware update came out. I set my personal oh my God, lifetime right. top we, speed that morning. Good job. Same, <laughs> same with me. I had, I'd gone half a mile before I hit an all-time Vesk record personal. I hit Not 20. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it was, GT the day before I had set a personal all-time speed record of 27 miles an hour on the GT. And then the next day, don't forget, I had never gone above like 15 miles an hour on the Vesk because it, w- it would get like too shaky. And I'm like, I don't want to have to run this out. Sure. Because I feel yeah. like that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then... I was like, cool, I got the firmware updated, went down the street, looked at my phone, was like, you just went 24 miles an hour. I was like, what? <laughs> and you also, you're, you've never really been a speed demon in never, my eyes. I'm not a speed demon at all. And, and like, you're cruising, you're like, you're pushing it when you're hitting like 19 or 20 miles an hour, and you just hit 24 like it was nothing. Yeah, that's how nice these are. Yeah. Also, there's no pushback to tell you that you're going fast. I wouldn't have hit it. I have pushback turned on my board. My duty cycle is well below it. Like, I was, I was good. I could... I mean, we so, your, so your pushback is based off of duty cycle rather than speed. Yes, because you can you can change that. Yeah, currently mm-hmm. it's set to duty cycle. That's actually something I uh, uh, I I would really love. That's uh, the GT pushback is pretty aggressive, and in times that you, when you're going downhill, you can pick up speed so much faster than uh, uh, yeah uh, than than you even realize. And the last thing I want when you have an angle uh is is <laughs> your tail suddenly going toward the ground it's like yeah. well the no, initial firmware on the gt that was a much bigger problem right. they actually came out with a huge overhaul on the firmware uh, a few months after the gt I came out i still notice it though i mean i, I mean it's still there I, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but i could hit 30 miles an hour on my vest i'm confident if i wanted to i might get there eventually i was I at 65 percent duty cycle at 24 miles an hour i could easily hit 30 especially on a slide downhill but i'm not gonna yeah <laughs> ivy if you're listening don't worry <laughs> all right well gentlemen i have to get home sure yeah this was We're a longer there. podcast we are officially at two hours now this is a very important podcast for me because i mean just like you we've been talking like about doing were. it for a long time yeah. and then, oh, we're good. still talking about doing an actual like corridor crew video something but like finding the right idea hasn't really popped up yet i thought maybe making a like a 50 or 60 mile like battery for a race mm. might be the thing but yeah we'll see so it goes so it goes. we're gonna go camping instead <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thanks for listening i look forward to reading the comments in this one uh yeah 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 good good yeah, luck building. Uh, maybe the comment section of this video can be a resource too yeah uh if people have any questions or information well, yeah yeah um yeah share your stories yeah i would love to see a comments from dado and max and all those other guys it'd be cool oh also uh and jimmy chang who uh on our last podcast made a re-edit of that um <laughs> and i was a little frustrated because it's like it takes some of the words i said out of context and whatnot but like 
What are you going to do? Um, yep, yep, <laughs> it's yep. fine. He ended up, he did take it down though. Or no, he did he take it down or he adjusted rename? it? He adjusted yeah. it, which I, uh, you know, big, I guess I'm just trying to say there's no hard feelings on that. I, a lot of other people were angry on our behalf, I guess. <laughs> and to those people, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Jimmy's a cool guy. All right. So long, everybody. Cowboy guy. And three, two, one.